All right. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Code Unlocked, where we're sponsored by C4. No, we're not, but I got the C4 in the corner now. I feel like if I just like put it on there, like it's just going to nonchalantly get their attention. Manifest. It, so. Yeah, manifest. Just like everything else, dude. I learned that from you. You did? Speak shit into existence and manifest it, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever actually like, told me those words, but like just your actions. But... Don't say I never did nothing for you. That's right. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, you've never done anything, dude. Um, what's up, dude? How, how's your day? Are you going to do an intro or are you just, we're just going? No, that was that it. Was, we're, I'm we're, waiting we're, for you. Yeah, that's it, dude. We're going. All right, let's fucking go then. That was all I had. How's your day? How's your night? <laughs> dude, my day is good. How's your day? Yeah, your day is great. My day is good too. I just You, get, you need me to do the intro? Go ahead if you got one. What's going on, boys and girls? And welcome back to another episode of Code Unlocked. I'm not your host, but I am the guest. Fiki, and I'm joined with the host. Code. <laughs> I feel like JP. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you got to come up with a nickname for yourself on the fly. Yeah. C4 Code. There you go. Health Code. Health Code. That's right. Caffeine. All right, now we can go. I Boom. feel better. Good. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to record that, or it's already recorded, but I'm going to have to cut that, and that'll be the, that'll be the intro every time, but I'm going to change, I'm going to dub the person's name to not be you. Perfect. And they'll they'll always do the intro, but that was good, dude. That was fire. Um, first question: Are you a carpet bagger? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I am a carpet bagger. I was just listening to that before we before we got here. I was just listening to like I'm halfway through or whatever. I thought that was so fucking funny. And then have I you ever it. heard of that? No, never. Yeah. And at first, when you said it, I was like, "That sounds pretty like like a pretty fucked up insult. Like, is it racist or something? Like, I did, I didn't know what to make of it." And then I Googled it before you were telling JP what it is. And then I Googled it right as you said it. And then the image popped up of the, of the guy with the bag. And then you oh, you saw it. that yeah, the same so, image. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. That was a year ago, like when that happened or a while ago. Yeah, that would have been, yeah, probably about a year ago right now. I think somewhere in that range. Yeah. That's funny shit, dude. Yeah. And then you're like, I wonder if she's dead. <laughs> it's possible. Anything's dude. Trust the process. Trust okay. the process, dude. That's Anything's right. possible. Um, all right. Well, everybody on this show knows who you are, so you don't need to do an intro. I've, I feel like I, I think I have um, mentioned you in every episode, just like casually. I think so. Yeah, just like you've came up, you've come up in random topics or something, which is like, I don't know. Am I like makes me feel fucking weird? Like I just talk about you. I'm obsessed with you or something. But <laughs> you just have like an impact, I guess, on everything. Yeah, that's ten percent. I know. I heard it. I heard it all from Cody Senior at the Christmas party. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, Cody oh, Senior. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he he was getting emotional. I'm sure he um, was talking your ear off. Yeah, and you know, like social settings are not my thing anyway, and like I hate like I talk pretty quiet, and like you know you got to scream at people, yeah. and the Birches do they fucking talk loud, like your your guys's voice carries, so he's like. You know, I, I didn't want to make him feel awkward. Um, you know, I was like trying to respond, but he's just like, this is all because of you. <laughs> I was like, thanks. I didn't really know how to respond. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's my dad. That's typical. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's silly. Um, so 
Yeah, everybody knows who you are. Reno area home buyers. Are you are you the CEO? Or like what what what's your title? Fuck, I guess. Co founder, shirtless dirtbag is what it says in the CRM. That's good. It was like when we first started working when we didn't have an office, we would like, you know, work from home. And anytime we would have to do like a Zoom call, I'd just be this is like when we lived together. You know, I would I would just be in my room and I just fucking no shirt (laughs) all day. So that like stuck and now I'm shirtless dirtbag in the CRM. So that's my unofficial title. But um yeah, I guess so. I'm like if if you had to put official titles on it, Wes is more of like the COO and I'm like more of the CEO. Try to CEO. Um which I, I asked just like out of curiosity, but also I was like coming up with a description for this and I was like, Do I put CEO of Renor Home Buyers? But I didn't put anything because I didn't know what to put, but I was like, Yeah, I think he's the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Founder, co founder. Which actually is kind of funny because you're not gonna agree with this or believe this, but I think I see you. You're the hardest worker I've ever met. I know, hands down. I've never met anyone who works as hard as you. Um, and I see you as the next Andy Frisella. And I don't think you're probably not going to agree with that, or you're not going to believe it. But that's just what I think. I think that that is your next, or that's uh, your journey in life. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of. I don't know. I don't have it exactly mapped out on like what that looks like, but definitely that's kind of what I would like as well. I mean, of course, just like you said, you know, if someone has a huge impact on you, you always like talk about them and just like do whatever. But um, yeah, it's like, I haven't quite figured out like what that's going to look like, but more so, I mean, what he does is like what I want to do. Just like, yeah, I think we have pretty similar like personality types and yeah, I mean, obviously like I've fucking credit him with everything for like getting me started down this path and all that. So that's like a, a person that I definitely strive to be like. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's in like the supplement business, but I just see you being <clears throat> as big as he is and having an impact on people too. Like just the shit you do and the podcast and Fiki flips, like you just have so many avenues and your hands are in so many different fucking pots of like businesses or like things and i don't know just, yeah yeah um, too, i just see you being too like many that. pots really but um yeah that's kind of the goal and like i just don't have it all in due time it's just like anything else you know you can't like that's where you kind of fuck yourself if you try to like act like something you're not so like i can't be like, oh, I want to be like him. So I'm just going to act like him right now as far as like, you know, he's 25 years into business. Um, so obviously his business acumen is like way the fuck ahead of mine. So it's just in due time, you know, that I have to go through all the bullshit for the next 15 years, 20 years to like learn everything that he's learned and be able to be on that level. Yeah. Um, you were saying on the, on go to bed, like, I think it was last episode, not, not yesterday's, but basically like looking back and you're, you know, four years into the business now or six since you started flipping, right? You started with flipping wholesaling, but yeah, yeah. wholesaling. That's right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're like, holy shit, I'm six years into this, but like you barely touched the surface in six years. And there's people who are like, you, Oh, it was, Oh, it was on uh, actually eating shit. I think you're talking Mm -hmm. about how Wes compares himself and you compare yourself to, and you're like, dude, people want to be where we're at right now. Yep. 
and they say the same shit about us that we say about Andy or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, you have to fucking just put in the reps. You have to put in the time. It's not yep. like you don't just fucking get there. Um, yeah, we were just talking about that again today. We did our Q2 meeting today and same shit. You know, he struggles with the comparison game a lot more than I do. Uh, I mean, like we both, I think everyone does some sort of comparison, but um, you know, if you take it in a negative way or you take it in a positive way, it's like two totally different outcomes. So if you're constantly comparing yourself to people and then you're using that as like negative self-talk is like, Oh, I'm a piece of shit because I should be farther along. Like, look at this person. Like, why are they so much better than me? Like that doesn't do any good. But if you can use the same comparison and just use it as like inspiration or roadmap or like, you know, they did it so I can do it too, way different outcome. So like Wes struggles with that a lot, um, just like negative self-talk and he works on it more than anyone I know too. So it's not like, you know, he, he doesn't know about it and I'm letting him know, like he's, he definitely works on this shit more than anyone I've ever seen, but he's, it still is a, an issue for him. And that's what I was saying on the eating shit podcast is like, I don't really talk about it cause it's not an issue for me, but if it's an issue for him, I'm sure it's an issue for like, you know, people listening to this show, you know, people are always doing that shit and it's, it's like really worthless. It doesn't do anything for you because in the wise words of Wes Watson, we're not going that way, motherfucker. We're going this way. So like, if you look back, like, Oh, I should be so much farther ahead. Like, Oh, if I only started five years earlier, it's like, yep. So like, what what the fuck are you going to do about it now? Like just, yeah. Fucking keep moving. Yeah. I think that way about a lot of things like, (coughs) excuse me. Fuck. If I started CrossFit 10 years ago or whatever, it's like, where would I be now? But it's like, well, I can't fucking got no time machine. So mm-hmm. it's, it is what it is. We fucking just keep moving forward. I like that. Yep, exactly. Do you think that's like a, um, a like upcoming, up and coming thing? Like with uh, your upbringing, rather not up and coming. Like he thinks that way because of the way he was raised and you don't because of the way you were raised or it's just like personality. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. It's definitely a lot of it is from like his upbringing i don't want to get too detailed into it but like you Mm -hmm. know he's told me some stuff about just what happened in his childhood like nothing crazy bad or anything but just like seeing his parents like struggle financially and like lose just like everyone else during the great recession and stuff like that so that he thinks that's what really like causes a lot of his fear and a lot of his scarcity mindset of like you know hold on to everything you have and a lot of people have that mindset like most people from the middle class have that mindset because that's how everyone's raised um so and i think you know he he just didn't start listening to any other type of narrative for a really long time and then he had a lot of struggles during his like early 20s where he was just getting fucking kicked in the teeth like over and over with a bunch of different shit um so now he's like on the up and up but he still has you know 30 years of that like programming so it's a little bit of upbringing it's a little bit of like personality type that's where it plays into him like just like everything else you know some it serves him in some ways and it hurts him in others because he's like smartest guy i know except for charles we'll talk about him later um and so second smartest guy i know huge perfectionist so like when he can build us a useful tool for the business it really serves him because 
it even hurts him in that sometimes now because it takes him way too long to do the shit because it has to be perfect before it's like ever seen but like when you're trying to do business like that is way more of a negative thing than a positive thing because that's like he is so high skilled and capable and intelligent that instead of using that for good sometimes it's it's like doubled down on the negative side of things because like he knows how smart he is and then he sees like dumber people winning and then he's like am i an idiot like look at this dumbass that can make money and i can't do it so again it's like the comparison thing but also just being a perfectionist you know it's just like perfectionists take a long ass time to do anything when usually more effective is just like taking imperfect action and running with it, fixing it along the way. Yeah. Like sometimes you just have to just do it. Like this podcast is fucking wing it or whatever it may be and just see what happens. You just learn as you go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, we were actually talking about that today too, because we were talking about content and personal brand, the importance of it and stuff. And, um, you know, I was explaining to him that, you know, he knows that that's like what I'll be doing long-term in the business is just driving organic resources to it from content and all that shit. Um, but right now I just have no time to do it. So like I half-ass it, I fucking wing it. Every YouTube video I post, I think of the idea two minutes before and fucking pull out my phone, do it selfie. Like it's ghetto as fuck. But at the same time, I'm like, I understand like, you know, Alex Ramosi has a thing. It's like you put in 10 times the effort and you get like a hundred times the result, which is totally true, especially with content, social media, personal brand. So if you just look at it from that point of view, it's like, yeah, what I'm doing is a waste of time because it's fucking half-assed and I'm not putting in that 10 X effort to get the hundred X result. But what I am getting is the reps of doing it and the practice. So even though I don't have enough time to do it how I want right now, later on when I do, I'll already have the years of the half-ass reps and not dedicating as much time as I want. Where if like a perfectionist was like, nah, I got to have it all fucking lined out in enough time and this and that before I even start, they're not going to start for years. So really like I'm going to be much further ahead because like their shit's going to suck at the beginning because everyone's shit sucks at the beginning. Yeah, even if you're a fucking perfectionist, right? Like you try to make it perfect, but you don't know the fucking little intricacies and nuances with whatever mm -hmm. it is like it's, it's always, never going to be perfect yeah um you talked about this on eating shit too it's just like you can always relate this shit to fitness it's so crazy and it's true like mm -hmm. if you were like oh i'm gonna wait for the perfect moment to go to the gym and lose weight like yeah and you know it's not the good week for me i'm tired or oh i'll sign up next week i'll sign up at the first of fucking the next year you just keep doing this shit and then it never fucking happens. Just show up and just fucking yep. go and you get on the bike for 10 minutes. At least you did something better than not going because it wasn't a perfect workout or whatever. Sounds dumb as fuck to everyone listening to this because I'm assuming it's mostly people from the gym and stuff. But like we all get it, like how stupid that sounds. But most of the population, that's exactly how they think is like it's either procrastination that causes it. Like I'll do it next week or I'll start tomorrow or it's like you said waiting for the perfect time quote unquote and it's like when have you ever done anything at the perfect time like it doesn't fucking exist yeah never be a perfect fucking situation or scenario never conditions will never be perfect yeah um so reno era home buyers like on that 
like where are you guys where are you guys like currently like are you guys considered a small business or like, what, yeah what, i think what? every i don't even know where it becomes large business but i mean large business is like really really large so even like pretty large businesses are still considered like small business for sure um but yeah i mean we only have fucking four people We're trying to get a fifth right now we used to have gonna, six but i was gonna ask are you trying to hire people or looking for yeah definitely um yeah we fucking ate a lot of shit in the, la- the last half of the last or the second half of the last year um so q1 went pretty good uh all things considering like we started the year with a huge fucking loss we we lost like 110 grand on this one deal um so that fucking hurt deeply what happened how come um well it was this uh six unit that we bought in uh, over by roller kingdom and we just made a lot of mistakes on the deal and it was a good deal like it still is a good deal right now um so mostly like the market shifting is to blame with the high interest rates and stuff. That's where we got fucked. But again, like you don't know what you don't know. And you know, that was our second multifamily property. The first one worked out great. We still have it um, all good. The second one, you know, we, we purchased it trying to think about how to simplify it, but um, we purchased it just like every other flip that we've ever done using private money. Um, And so hundred percent debt and we should have probably used like an equity partner instead of a debt partner and we would have been better off. But because of the interest rates rising, we essentially couldn't refinance the property. Like we had, we could have, but the loan amount was so small that it was like a 50% loan to value. So if the thing is worth a million dollars, they're only going to give us 500 grand and we owed 850 just for round numbers. So about what it was though. So we could have refinanced it, but we would have had to come out of pocket 350,000 just to do that or bring in a partner to do that. Now it's not a good deal for an equity partner. Um, the other alternative was to sell it. And then we got caught chasing the market down and we should have listed it lower. Like we, we have debriefed on this deal and like things that we're not going to make these dumbass mistakes again. Um, but we ended up just fucking giving the thing away. And so our net loss was like 110,000 on the deal. Um, so that, that was in January. So we started with that and then we just had a series of like shitty months leading up to that as well. But, um, now, yeah, we had our first $200,000 month this month for March, um, so I think we about broke even for the quarter. We just looked at all the financials today. I think we had a net a net loss of like 1400 bucks for the quarter. So we didn't make any money, but starting with negative 110 like couldn't have gone much better <laughs> for what it was. So yeah. Rest rest of the year I'm optimistic. I think we're taking the right actions. We're more focused than we've ever been. Um and yeah, so all in all it's going good, but like when you talk about that type of shit seems like it's not going good, but yeah, that happens. You know, we got a lot of help from the market in the last couple of years as it was going up. Like the longer that we held flips when usually you're, you're supposed to get rid of them as fast as possible, the more money we made just from appreciation. So if you look at it at a macro view like that, we definitely made more than 110,000 from the market and then it, the market took it back from us. So 
If you would have held on to that one now, like, would it even be more of a loss? Or like, if we had to sell it, yeah, yeah, for sure. But we never wanted to flip it. We wanted to hold it forever, and that was the plan. With that, it was just like, let's take it down with hard money. You're paying crazy interest, which we're used to from flipping. We'll renovate all the units, which we did. We'll release the building, which we did. And then once we do that, it'll be worth 1.2 million. We'll be able to refinance, you know, 75% of that. We'll get like an 850 loan, which is what we owed in hard money. And cool, we'll pull all of our money out of the deal. Maybe have to leave a little bit in, but basically pull all the money out. We'll have 30-year debt on it. And it's chilling. It's a nice building. It'll be renovated. Um, you know, in 30 years when it's paid off, it'll be worth double or triple of what it's worth right now. That was the plan with it. Um, but we couldn't refi it and the debt is all, you know, it's on one year terms. So we're only borrowing for a year. So like we almost held it for a full year, but at the end of that year, we basically, the, the note is due that we have to owe 850,000 back. So the only two options are put other type of debt on it through a refinance or sell it. And we couldn't refinance. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So forced to sell. Um, so yeah, other than, I mean, it sounds like you guys are, like you said, you're on the the right direction now with basically breaking even after that big loss. Um, like what's the, uh, what's the future look like? Like is Reno or home buyers going to be a hundred employee company or do, does it, does it stay small and you guys just keep on, hustling deals on your own and take the most, you know, most of the work or like, what's a, do you have a vision for that? Yeah. It's in between that. Um, the whole goal is to build it into something that runs with very little input from the owners. Like there's always going to be problems. You're always going to have to hop back in and shit's always changing, but the whole goal is to build it. So it has like a dedicated operator, all the seats are filled and delegated. And then that gives us our time back where we can go do something that is like a, a better opportunity basically. Um, so that's the plan. The size of the company probably is only like between 10 and 15 at that point. Um, you could definitely take it bigger, but it's one of those things at that point, it's like, is that what you really want? And we already know going back to like not having the business acumen for it because of some of the groups that we're in, like we can already see that, there's way better opportunities than the company that we're building, but it's kind of like a necessary evil. Like we have to go through building this company to gain the experience, to go build a better one in a better vehicle. That's worth a lot more money later on. But at some point it's like, if I know about it, why shouldn't I just go do that right now? But I think this is just like, I could be wrong about this, maybe I'll look back on this and be like, you're a fucking idiot. You should have just jumped ship right then and fucking done it. But um, I think that I need to go through building this first one and gaining all the experience with like hiring and leadership and delegation and everything that comes with actually building a real company to be able to execute better on the better opportunity that's next. So yeah, you could take it fucking big. Like the company Wes used to work for is a huge billion dollar house flipping company massive we don't fucking want that um and then you know you could just be self-employed forever and just own your job and do what we do right now uh we don't want that either so it's somewhere in between um and then it'll morph into 
like a fund model to hold as hold properties as rentals. Cause right now with just like right now, we're not even flipping because of what's going on in the market. We're just wholesaling. So, which is fine for active income. And we're, we're good at finding off market deals, putting deals in contract. And then, you know, that's how you make the money when you sell the contract. Um, the issue with that is that you don't get any of the long-term benefits of holding the asset. So again, necessary evil to build the wholesaling company that we don't necessarily want. But what we do want is a fund where we would pool money together from investors and then go buy single family homes with it. So we, at that point, all we'll have to do is change like the disposition side of things where we're still going to be acquiring the same way, getting deals under contract. But then instead of wholesaling them to other buyers who are going to hold them or flip them or do whatever, we will just purchase it, rehab it, put tenants in it, and then like wholesale it to a fund that we also operate. And then we will also get the benefits of holding like the, the rentals long-term using other people's money. Okay. Um, do uh, people like companies like you or like, are you like the enemy? Like if you're, yeah, that's a good question. You, you know, if you send your mailers out and you know, I want to buy your house, by the way, that fucking note that you talked about from that chick yeah, with the carpet bagger is so fucking funny, but uh, yeah, like, I guess some like people like her fucking hate you, but like, are you a blessing to other people too? Or like they, they don't know oh, yeah. it or like hundred percent. Yeah. And that's really like, you know, the, the off market discounted cash offer is a, it makes sense for, you know, one out of 20 people or something. Uh, I should know our actual metrics since we just went over them today, but I know in the past it's been like one out of 22 people that we talk to leads and a lead is someone that raises their hand and said, yes, I'm interested in selling the house is ends up being a deal. Um, but for the ones where it ends up being a deal, like oftentimes it is like an actual blessing, like the meetup that I run. Um, I just went over this deal that we closed last this last month and I mean, I spent an hour talking about every fucking thing that we did for this guy, the seller. And like, I wasn't even thinking about it in the form of like, we really helped this guy out. I was just like, oh, this is valuable for people who want to get into this because like, this is what actually goes on to get some of these deals to the finish line. And people were coming up to me after and they're like, you guys were a blessing to this guy. And like, there's no way he could have done that without you. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Cause he was like, elderly we fucking got him into a new apartment we paid for his movers we sold the cars for him you know we're the house is destroyed we're taking all of his personal property we're just letting him you know take whatever he wants leave the rest for us and so for situations like that or like we've we've bought from people that have been in the house for 30 years and then their spouse died and then they call us like two weeks later and they're like i literally can't be here anymore like how fast can you close and they want they also want to leave all the shit because the memories divorce same type of thing that's where it really makes sense for people to take a discount on their home um but 19 others out of 20 uh it makes more sense for them to just list the property because uh highest net proceeds is the main goal of their sale so like to those people like we might look like the enemy 
but those are also the people that don't understand the average seller that we're dealing with and the average situation that we're dealing with. They think that we're just fucking like somehow, like it doesn't even make sense, but somehow we're buying property for fucking cheap for people like ripping people off. But it's like, no, you don't get it. You, and because I've done acquisitions, like, you know, I know, what the average seller is and they truly need like the easy button that we give them. And they need all these other things that comes with the cash offer. And they couldn't list the property even if they wanted to, because their situation doesn't let them do that or the property condition, anything like that. Yeah. And they like, those are the people that think their house is worth 600,000 and it's fucking three fifty or something. Right. They're like, yeah, Zillow, <laughs> Zillow says it's worth 450, which is probably too high. It's fucking thrashed. And then they're telling us, I won't take anything less than 600,000. We're like, all right, well, call me back if you change their mind. And then they're like, you're not going to give me an offer. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I know my, yeah, fucking, I, yeah, you know the value. I just got a mailer back today. I thought it was going to be something cool. I was like, oh, that'd be perfect to post on the go to bed. Instagram. Um, but it was just like someone hand wrote a note on the back of the mailer, but all it said was like, it was like, hi, Alex, thanks for your interest in the house. Like, uh, if call me, if you have a legit offer, I'm like, I'm not interested in hearing anything else. And it's like, okay, well think about that for a second, ma'am. Okay. Ma'am trying to tell us how our process works. How am I supposed to come up with a legit offer for your home if I have never fucking seen it? I've never been inside of it. I know nothing about it. I literally have the address and that's it. How do you come up with a legit offer? The answer is you can't, but then they're going to be like, don't call me unless you have an offer. Like the, and then those people are the same ones that think we're the enemy. And it's like, well, if you spent five minutes with me on the phone and told me a little bit about the condition, I could probably come up with an offer for you, but they won't even do that sometimes. So they just assume you already know about like, like, wow, if he can send us a mailer, he must know about it or like, I don't know. Dude, people clueless. are, yeah, yeah. A lot of them are clueless. And like I said on last night's episode of go to bed, like they think that we really like, they think I only mailed them. Like I was driving by and I was like, wow, <laughs> I really want that house. And I just specifically mailed them. They just don't understand that we send out 20,000 a month. And also, you know, those people, it's the same people that don't understand like um, other types of marketing. Like there's a lot of, we've never done it, but I've heard it works pretty good where people will send out like fake checks. And I've seen these for other types of marketing, like loan, uh, like lenders use them a lot where they send fake checks to homeowners to represent the amount that you could refi the property. And so like, you know, they see that the Zillow says it's worth 400,000 in a refi situation, they could loan, you know, 300,000. So they're going to send them a fake check for $300,000 because it gets people to call them and ask and stuff. But We've had, you know, either competitors or lenders or whatever send like the fake checks. And then people are calling us saying that they got an offer for 300,000. And we're like, you don't understand that that's a fake check. Like, just think about this, like logically, like who's going to send you a fucking check <laughs> in the mail <laughs> that you can go cash <laughs> that's never seen your home, like nothing, but they, they actually think it's real. And it's like, okay, well, 
I don't know what to tell you. So that like that those people that do that shit fucking hurt you guys. Like yeah, fucking... yeah, yeah. Sometimes, but I mean, those are people that probably you know it doesn't make sense. And when I yeah. say it makes sense and like it helps people out, even some of those people like they just can't be helped because of who they are. Like a lot of people in pre foreclosure fit that profile. A lot of people that get into what we do, like they they start with a good heart and they're like, I really want to help people that are in pre foreclosure. And like, I get it. But then I tell them like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense until you talk to about three of them and they're all the same profile. They're all in denial they're, They all have a story about how Wells Fargo ripped them off 15 years ago and they're not actually behind on payments and blah, 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 blah. And it's every excuse in the world. And that's just like the profile on average, the demographic of person that loses their home, like, short of something like 2008, you know, where everyone, every type of demographic was losing their home because of a bunch of different shit. But now it's just like the type of person that's in pre-foreclosure when no one else is in pre-foreclosure, they just have no accountability. And it's always everyone else's fault. It's not just about the house, it's their entire life. And then those are the people that really need the help, but they just will not accept it. And they're willing to go down with the ship because they're in denial. They think that the bank is wrong and they're not. Yeah, it seems like, yeah, it's just they're like maybe sentimental value and they're fucking, you know, they've been in their house for 30 years and they just can't, yeah, mm -hmm. can't let it go. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And that's like, you know, different <clears throat> property types. We've had a couple of deals that are just raw land, like the sellers could give a fuck. You know, they've owned it for 30 years. They've been paying property tax on it and we're like, we'll give you a hundred thousand. And they're like, okay <laughs> like there's no emotional attachment to it at all and then there's other people like you said that have a ton of emotional attachment to the home and they just can't let it go even if they have to or even if they should it would benefit them for whatever their real goals are they just can't do it yeah it's crazy um would you this is like i guess that's not off topic but would you host your own mastermind group like i know you you go to the you and west go to masterminds and you guys are in um, Ryan Pineda's mastermind and stuff. Like, do you see yourself doing something like that? I guess like with your meetup, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of like that. It's a smaller yeah, it's version like a, of it. Yep. Yep. It's a mini version of it. Um, yeah. And there's just levels to it. You know, like we're in Pineda's mastermind, which is a great, um, a great group. That's how, how many people are in that by the way? Fuck. I don't know how many members are in it. Like the one that we're going to the event next week, there's, it's a thousand people. I saw him just posted. It was sold out. But as far as like people that are actually joined up and like in the program, I mean, it's probably actually I did look the other day because they have a student directory. It's like 400 something that's in the all star program. And then they also have like the rookie program. But there's probably more than that. So there's a lot of people in it that are paying to be in it. Um, but yeah, definitely super valuable. Just like the stereotypical, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Like that's the whole point of masterminds is that like you get around those guys that are doing more than you, or just have like a similar mindset and stuff when you may not be exposed to that at home. And it's very beneficial to like be on calls with those guys once a week and go to the events and, um, you know, they're in the same business as you. So you can really like especially if they're doing much more than you, like when you first join up, it's like they already have the blueprint for how the shit's supposed to work. Like just do what they do. You don't have to reinvent the wheel on everything that you do. And then we're in another one called power room. That's like higher level. We're definitely like the biggest fucking dirtbags in the whole group. And because like the guys in there, they do like private equity and like the, the real estate specific guys do like a thousand deals a year, which is like mind blowing. Cause we're like trying to get to a hundred, you know? 
Um, but again, it's like, it just shows you what's possible and like makes you level up. It like forces you to do that. Um, so yeah, super, super good. But, um, yeah, that was the first time when we went to Pineda's deal, um, for the first time about a year ago, I've been running my meetup for a while, but it's kind of the opposite because like, I'm the one running it and like, it's more geared towards like brand new people. Cause like, that's the information that I can provide because I've been there. So like, I can tell people what to do to get started. Like that shit is easy for me, but I can't tell people what to do to do 200 deals a year because we haven't done it yet. So then I was on the flip side of that for the first time being around guys that are doing more. And then they were telling me what to do because they're at 150 deals a year and Wes and I are only at 25 back then. So they're like, Oh yeah, they've been through it. They have the advice for me, but definitely like in the future, that's part of the personal brand for sure of like, you know, being able to monetize the brand in every way possible, like the education company, if you have a good one, like Pineda's super fucking sharp. Like I just get more and more respect from him. Like the more I know him, which is usually like the other way around with internet personalities. And, um, yeah, he's definitely crushed that aspect of like, I built a house flipping company. Now I'm going for personal brand. Now I built the education company, which is like to anyone that doesn't really know, it seems like, oh, this guy just sells a course and that's how he makes all of his money. But then you like know the people that are in the group and you're like, oh, there's like real players in the group too. But then this is like where his genius takes over is like, there's a huge need for like real estate specific CPAs. He needed one. He found a good one. And then he's like, Hey, we should partner up. So they started a CPA firm. And now <laughs> he doesn't work in the business ba barely at all. His partner does. Cause he's the accountant, but they have this fucking sea of clients that is everyone that's in his mastermind. So like the CPA business blew up because of the education company. And then same thing, you know, he starts like Pineda capital to raise money to buy apartment buildings or single family homes, the fund model, exactly what I was talking about. The personal brand, like you produce content, people want to invest in real estate, but they don't want to do the work themselves. They just write him a check and they get a return. It's fucking, that's like, that's why it's important to do like the all encompassing thing and like do the mastermind as well, because there's just the connections you can get from it are worth it. But especially if you run the mastermind is crazy valuable. Yeah. Like, and you provide value, right? People want to give you their deals or they want to work with you. So like everybody 100%. wins huge networking opportunity. You mm -hmm. teach these guys how to get into it. And I think you talked about that on the show at one point or multiple times that, you know, you do this and they're going to like, Oh, Alex helped me and taught me this. So I'm going to fucking reach out to him and help him with right. deal or give him a deal. Yeah, because that's like at the base level, like what I do, because I don't sell anything. All I do is run the meetup and teach. And, but I know just like reciprocation, we get things from it deals, private money, relationships, whatever else, who knows what's to come. That's without even selling anything. Like Pineda, the whole point of the fucking event, he provides as much value as possible. So then the people that are there that aren't a member, fucking pull out the credit card at the end of the weekend and it's you know 25 g's to join so like they're making crazy money from running the event 
but it's the same it's the same thing you know that's just like provide as much value as you can and like the offer's too good to say no yeah that's badass and everybody wins right mm-hmm. he gets more clients and people join the mastermind and then they get to learn and then it's like this fucking snowball effect because then they have more people flipping and uh wholesaling and more deals and then he can yeah it's just like this huge yeah huge chain reaction yeah cool. exactly right um so speaking of like personal brand it like i've always known you as i mean people that know you right but i've known you fairly close um last couple years but like you've always been a quiet introvert like you'll mainly only talk to people if you um know them or they approach you first or you're like you're comfortable with them or whatever it is and it's not like you don't fucking talk to people if they talk to you but you just don't you're not like me i guess (laughs) you just fucking Mm -hmm. talk to everybody all excited um so in the last i don't know maybe year or so you've started branching out and like you talked about that on eating shit how like you know your whole story and like you've always been quiet and introverts the way you were raised but like you need to have or you spoke to your mentor or whoever it is and he was like you need to have a personal brand and you need to you know branch out put yourself out there a little bit talk about yourself tell people your story people want to know who you are um what what is that what's that been like like Obviously, it's fucking challenging and weird and different, Like, but how do you feel about it now, a year in? Yeah, no, it's fucking hard. Um, yeah, it's uh, – the one who's really been making me work on it is my coach named Chris. That guy, yeah, um, okay, yeah, him. Yep, yep. So, yeah, back to programming. Like, He's the one that taught me all that shit that I said about Wes. And Wes, it's Wes's coach too, so it's nice that we're able to like talk about our calls with Chris like – together um and yeah it's just crazy that like you know you pick up these behaviors over your entire life and you don't really realize it that's why it's like programming it's not it's not like you're doing it on purpose but every single thing that you like the way that you talk the way that you touch your face when you talk you know everything is for a reason like it's all learned behavior to some point and there's some things that you can like yep, that is the moment that like fucked me up and that's why I am the way I am. But there's other things that like you just can't fucking figure it out or it's just like years of compounding behavior and stuff. So like, yeah, super challenging to like come out of your shell. And that's why actually like another reason why I really like running the meetup, like networking is super important and it's hard as fuck for me to network when we go to like the mastermind events because I have to go, go out there, you know, get yourself out there. And like, it's not like I have any reason to be shy. Like if you think about it at a logical level, like basically anyone that I turn around to, like you're either doing as much or more business than they're doing with a few exceptions, people there. And like, I try to look at it like that was like that I could help this person by talking to them. And like stop being a bitch and just like, but I hate fucking the small talk again for no reason. Um, but when I run the meetup, it's like you're the authority figure there. So people just come up to you and then it's very easy to talk. Yeah. But it is weird because like, <clears throat> you know, that's why, you know, I like working with P on go to bed or filming or whatever, just because we're like best friends and it makes it very easy. And, um, you know, no one else that I've seen really has like 
a real estate finance or business like personal brand with someone like fucking JP, you know, like (laughs) cracking jokes or whatever. And it just makes it better because that's how, you know, I can just be myself and just shoot the shit and not be so robotic when you're like trying to talk about something that's seen seen as formal. Um, So it's an ongoing thing. And like, that was my favorite and least favorite part about doing phase three was talking to a stranger. I knew that was going to be like, if there's one reason that I fail, that's going to be it. And I fucking failed because of the fucking photo. Always a photo. More pissed about that than the $110,000 loss still. But yeah, I, I, that's why I kept doing it after I failed, even though it doesn't count. And I know that, um, because I needed that, the fucking random act of kindness and the talking to a stranger, but still, you know, it's, it's just for whatever reason, it's fucking hard for me to do that. And like, I'm being very intentional so that in, you know, two years, that's not the case anymore, but it's going to be a lot of fucking work to get there because it's 31 years of programming to do the exact opposite. Yeah. Like on a, if we have one to 10, one being fucking so uncomfortable, you won't fucking do it. Like you won't talk to somebody or like, you know, you're still basically you're a year, you're yourself two years ago, a year ago, how long, you, you know, Chris has been giving you these challenges. That's one 10 being like, you walk up to someone, you have no idea who they are and you say, Hey, what's going on, man? How, how's your day? Where do you think you're at right now? Like if I'm in my comfort zone, it's like a two or three probably. Damn. Yeah. Because like any, and that's why, like I said in the episode one of eating shit, like I've always known I'm fucking weird and like, I just, (laughs) you just know it. And like, that is one reason why, you know, when something as simple as like go up to someone and be like, Hey, how's your day? When that puts me at a fucking 10 for being uncomfortable, like that's fucking weird. That's strange. Um, but yeah, like it, it just like anything else, like back to fitness, like if, if that is a fucking being jacked, then like you don't do it one time and up, oh, I'm out of my shell. Fucking easy for me to talk to people. Now it's every day. Like you have to be intentional about it. And even it's, it's actually difficult for me to be intentional about it because like my day is literally wake up at five, go to the gym, come home, do my morning shit go to the office. I'm there until six, six thirty, whatever, come home, try to post, or I'm doing the super cross commentaries or whatever I can get done. And I go to bed like that's every fucking day. So like during phase three, I have to like, fuck, I haven't talked to anyone yet. I'd have to like go to the fucking gas station when I don't need to. And like buy a fucking, coffee that I can drink the next day (laughs) just to like try to talk to someone, whether it's the fucking employee that doesn't want to talk to me because he pissed off that he's there or like someone in the parking lot or whatever. Like, yeah, that's how intentional, like I would have to do that every day to like actually pull it off. But then on the mental side of things, just like, you know, some of like affirmations and stuff, it's just like reminding yourself that your prior programming is wrong and that's not like who you actually are if if it's not who you want to be like so i just mm-hmm. have to remind myself that every day yeah um two things on that uh, i guess three things number one fucking gas station how's your day oh, living the dream typical fucking answer right <laughs> every time yeah. yeah every fucking time um, and just hating it 
yeah, it's just like, or or it's my Friday, so it's great. It's like, fuck, yeah, <laughs> come on. Um, but the other two is, what did you have like a a mental like time um, when you would go to the gas station and talk? You're like, all right, if I talk, like, was it good enough to just say? Okay, you're buying the coffee, and he says, "Okay, it's three fifty And you say, "Oh, thanks, man. Have a great night." Like, is that enough? Or did no, you have to? Count. So, okay, so you have to say, "How's your night going?" He says, "Oh, it's all right." Or it's my Friday, and you say, "Oh, cool." Mm-hmm. Was that enough? Or how, you no. have to expand on it more? You had a thirty second window, five exchanges back and forth. Like, what was what was that process? Yeah, I didn't have a parameter on it, but I did it, and like until I felt that it was it counted because I know like Andy specifically said in one of the podcasts when he's talking about phase three that like it doesn't count to say how's it going as you're like passing someone that doesn't count um so if it was like on the shorter end for the gas station employees or something i would be like you know how's your night going they'd be like oh pretty good i'd be like oh how long you been working here like oh six months oh you like it yeah yeah it's pretty good and it's funny like i talked to chris about this a lot um that like, you know, most people get energized and like recharged from talking to other people. Whereas like me, um, that does have like this doing this is energizing me. When I do go to bed with P that's energizing me when I talk to like my friends and shit energizing, but any type of like uncomfortable social situation is like, really fucking draining for me but it's interesting to see in just a couple of questions like that how you take a a stereotypical live in the dream oh it's my friday gas station employee and by asking them three questions they're like somewhat happy and upbeat and it's like i didn't like trick them into being happy. It's just like a pattern interrupt almost for them because they're used to like the average person that's buying shit at a gas station, you know, that has to go in to buy something. They're fucking buying cigs or they're buying alcohol or some bullshit food. That's all they sell there. (laughs) Um, So like the average person that they're dealing with is like, just like them, just like fucking pissed get me the fuck out of here. So even someone that was like me, even though it was super uncomfortable that I'm like, how long have you been working here? Do you like it? Even if they don't like it, I've had a couple people, they were like, no, nah, I hate it. And be like, Oh, I'll be like, why is that? Be like, I hate the hours. I'm like, can you get on another shift? Do you think they're like, nah, I'm like maybe it's time to look for a new job. Then they're like, yeah, I think so. Just those, like that little bit of small talk. They're like, Oh shit. There's like, decent people out there <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's crazy is you know like you made them energized but like you probably changed their life like and you don't know it or like you started this this effect this little like chain reaction or you just made their day better they're fucking going home and they hate their life and every fucking day and whatever it is and they're like oh something's so bad just like you said there is good people out there 100 percent, yeah and, just, and like just that little that little trick of talking for four minutes yep And like having this conversation is reminding me that I need to fucking do that shit more. And, you know, it's just like posting, you know, people get caught up with posting content too. And and I struggle with the same thing still, even though I post a lot is that like, you kind of feel weird for posting, but it's not about you. It's about like the people that are going to consume it or the ripple effect or, you know, especially with a viral platform like TikTok, like you have such good reach 
you know, even if you get shitty reach, and you only have 400 views. Like what you just said is 100% possible and likely if you post a lot that they might not even remember it, but eventually like I post a video about making 200,000 this month. That person might not even fucking follow me, might be like some 18-year-old kid and then for whatever reason I popped up on his his fucking for you page and that video is like what sparked a change in him to like oh there's more that's possible than like 60 grand a year and then he goes off this road and maybe it takes him 10 years to do it but like was that worth it to fucking feel uncomfortable and post like yeah same thing like was that worth it for me to feel uncomfortable and talk to that guy yeah and it's good for me too yeah um uh we got this is colton he's in the chat he says have you ever tried to talk to a stranger without asking questions i feel like that would be i don't i don't even yeah. know what you do like you just compliment somebody maybe oh dude that and that's i'm still like i can't do that at all yeah and like, i know yeah, that's like your shirt or whatever the fuck you say because yeah. i asked chris you know like dude i know i need to do it but like what's give me some easy ways to talk to people it's like dude compliments i'm like dude fuck oh yeah i can't do it like i can't even like i can't tell like my best friend that like oh those are sick shoes like that's so fucking kill me but yeah it's definitely that's the way that you do it is complimenting people mm -hmm. but not me so i gotta go with the questions yeah you, you have to well because you get the feedback right so like it's easier to talk to someone when they fucking give you feedback other than hey nice shirt hey thanks or whatever like it's just like they give you more like almost ammunition when they respond so then you can follow it up it's yeah, the, it, yeah. It, it's very weird you know people i was just talking about this on go to bed last night about you know studying people's behavior but like when you do some fucking cringe shit and you have to study your own behavior, you know, you have those moments. It might not even be cringe, but you're just like, why did I act that way? I had this moment in, fuck, this was in like August last year. And this will stick with me. And I was in the airport. I think I was coming home from Ohio. I went to this uh, real estate event there. And this, I was by myself and this guy sits down next to me. And he said, sits right next to me there's like plenty of seats in the terminal sits right next to me it's probably about my age or maybe a little bit younger like late 20s early 30s well put together guy and he was like oh the, those shoes are sick i got the same ones and like i was just like oh thanks and this is right when i was like oh i need to be talking to more people like how do i do it and i totally blew the fucking opportunity to do it I, I was just like, oh, thanks. And I shut the fuck up because fuck. like it was so uncomfortable for me to receive a compliment. But it's like, how much fucking easier could that like, here's a fucking layup <laughs> to start talking to this guy. I didn't have to do anything. He just fucking literally sat down next to me and started talking to me and I still couldn't do it. And like, for whatever reason, what went through my head instead of like, oh, talk to him was these are $30 Adidas from the fucking outlet like what is this guy talking about and it's like why why did i default to that like because i th i think that they're not six shoes like he they're not six shoes like he knew that they're not six shoes but he was trying to talk to me for some reason you know yeah he wanted to fuck he might have been doing phase three too 
<laughs> fucking A, like, might have been. He fucked, <laughs> fucked him up. He's like, God, this fucking, no one will talk to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like going on to the next guy. Fuck, didn't count. Oh, God damn, I got to go find somebody else's shoes and act like I have a pair of those and I don't actually, or whatever. Yeah. But, but yeah, fucking layup. You've been like, yeah, oh, that's cool, man. Where are you from? Or whatever it is. And this is like, yeah. boom. Or where are you headed? You know, you're getting on a fucking <laughs> yeah, airplane. Yeah, airport. Like, how much easier could it get, dude? Yeah, that's funny. Um, is this easy for you? Like, you know, the one to 10 scale is being on a show or talk. I, I guess it depends on the show. It's probably easier to talk to me because we know each other. But, mm-hmm. like, is this easy? Yeah, it's pretty easy. Um, and, like, I think in person is even easier than, like, over Zoom. But yeah, it's, it's easy. And like, because it's like question based again, like it's very easy for people to talk about themselves. And that's why like questions are so effective when you're trying to be more outgoing and shit. All you have to do is ask a question about someone and people love talking about themselves. So same things happening here. Like it's, uh, you know, sometimes with, with P and I, it's, it's even more difficult, even though we're like, best friends but it's just like i don't know podcasting and conversations are just different because i mean you know now since you're freaking code podcaster podcast code but because you have to like you're always in the back of your mind you're thinking about like what it sounds like to the listener and there can't be really any dead space whereas like if you're just shooting the shit with your friends like if you stopped talking for 30 seconds and then you picked it back up it would be like, oh man, we just had a crazy like three hour conversation. But when you're on the show and you're live, you're always like, when you're trying to direct the show, like what you're doing right now, you're like thinking about it in the back of your head. Like, oh, as soon as he stops talking, I got to fucking hit him with another question. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it gets difficult, but it's not really like uncomfortable. Is it easier to talk about yourself than it is to talk to someone else? You think? Yes. I Yeah. I mean, interviewing is definitely more of a skill for sure, because like, yeah, I haven't really interviewed that much, like kind of on go to bed, but go to bed is such fucking low pressure because it's dumb as fuck every episode that like like, you have the expectations that it doesn't fucking matter. Right. If you fuck up the interview. right. Right. Yeah. You have like the infamous fucking question that JP asked. Mike Mason, X Games Freestyle gold medalist. Like, what do you think about Kmart going away in Carson? Like, dumbest fucking question ever. So, like, that's my co-host. So, like, any question that I ask is good. <laughs> and, like, if there's a little dead space, it doesn't matter. But you can definitely tell, like, skilled interviewers, that's a huge skill, way fucking harder than being interviewed. Yeah. Um, when's your first tat? <laughs> yeah you can always use that as a filler <laughs> first tat dude i yeah. fucking remember that was a topic on like every show i think for the first like six times he did that he didn't realize that he was doing it and then it like became a joke after yeah. that but yeah that's always a good go-to it, they're like bro if you ask me he was gonna ask you a question he's like i have a question this is early go to bed days and he's like, I got a question for you. You say, <laughs> it always sticks with me. He's like, if you ask me about my first tat, aliens or something else, I'm fucking shutting off the show. We're running the fucking outro and that's it. <laughs> so funny. Because I'm looking at the whiteboard right here and like, we haven't really been using it as much, but back in the day, in the early episodes, yeah, he, I would be like, write down your topics. I would just put the topics on him 
And it's just like, that's what is on his mind all the time is like, when is Alex going to get a tattoo? (laughs) More questions about aliens and like something about weed, something about Trump. That's just like, that's why this time I've been like, you know, I'm actively throughout the week. If I see some fuckery, like the twenties only homeless person, I'll write it down. I have podcast topics in my phone. And then right before we start, I look at that. And then I'm like, all right, I got some ammo for this one. So mm-hmm. like now we collaborate on the topic. So it works better. Yeah. It's kind of changed directions. Like it's still fuckery and fun and hilarious, but like it used, I used to think of it as it used to be like, just like the roast JP show for stupid shit. He says, yeah, now you don't roast him as much. You still like, we'll throw in a little bit, but now you will exactly like you said, contri- contribute to topics or whatever, but right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah, I got to get him to do some more storytelling on there because like, <laughs> yeah, that's his storytelling. Sometimes it's fucking terrible, but he's had some good ones too. But the more that he talks is the more opportunity for me to roast him. So like when I'm talking the whole time, I just don't get the chance to roast him because he still has like the funny interjections, but it's just not enough material for me to go at. Yeah, exactly. Um Next is, uh, I've got a little topic list here, but, um, so living with tinnitus, dude, you've, you've, been, you've had that for fuck three years now, mm-hmm. right about, right around, right around three years. Um, what, uh, you still have it, right? Or like it, it never goes away. Um, I like to do one to 10 scales. I don't know. I think it's a good way to gauge things. So it was a fucking 10 three years ago when it first happened, right? Like fucking going crazy, losing your mind. Um, None of us have ever seen you like that, obviously. It was a 10 then. What do you, what is it now? What's the level of it now? Yeah, it kind of varies now, but it's mostly like, I would rate it like a one, two, maybe. Oh, okay. It's very rare. It actually happened the other night, like three nights ago, but very rare that it bothers me. Like I woke up the other night and I could hear it. Um, and sorry, I got distracted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, yeah, by I, the, I pulled it up. By I know, the yeah. comments. My, but, um, just throwing those up, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh yeah, it's it's very rare that it it bothers me like that, but it's still like it's hard to say because I you don't know if like is the body that good where I'm just tuning it out now or did it really like heal or is it a little bit of both? I don't know. But like I still I still have to wear earplugs at the gym like every day just precautionary cuz I don't want it to like come back or you know, do anything stupid again, but also like there's still this aside from the ringing, there's like this crunching noise when there's like loud high decibel sounds. So I, I block that out from the gym, but yeah, mostly it's not a big deal anymore, which is good. Cause yeah, you're right. It was a fucking 10 and it's really hard to articulate that to people because like, you know, I think one of the last episodes before we stopped doing go to bed, probably like episode 64, I went through the whole story while it was still fairly fresh, only like six months later. Um, but yeah, it's just a crazy fucking experience. And then you tell people like, Oh, I have, you know, tinnitus and they're like, Oh, I have that. And you're like, trust me, (laughs) you don't have it. Like I have it right now because you wouldn't be functional. Right. Yeah. I remember you telling the story that like, like it was fucking dark, but not I meant dark's not maybe the right word, but basically you would, when you're going through the shit, you would go on YouTube and like, you'd find the decibel level for the same noise that you were hearing. And then you pause the video and you scroll to the comments and 
people say like, I've been living with this for 37 years Mm -hmm. and you're like, what the fuck is this going to be my life now? Yeah. Yeah. That's what really fucked me up. And like a couple people have reached out to me over the last three years because they were doing the same fucking shit I was doing. And they somehow (laughs) stumbled across the the video from the go to bed podcast because we put it on YouTube. And then they would like DM me on Instagram be like, I'm fucking going crazy. Like, help me. (laughs) I'm like, well, I see it's too late to uh, tell you not to read the comments, but you know, I'll I'll message them back obviously because it's super important. But um, yeah, like you, you YouTube anything about tinnitus and like the comments are so dark, like exactly what you said. I've been dealing with this for 47 years, still whistling like a train and you're, you know, two weeks in and you're wondering like, you're, you're having anxiety like fuck is this ever gonna go away like uh, my shit's fucked up and then you read that and you're like oh fuck off the fuck deep end sends you down a downward spiral mm-hmm. is that one of the most uh, traumatic events in your life dude that's the most the most traumatic yeah. has to be yeah fuck dude yeah yeah um i will say from watching you go through that and obviously like hearing the story and all that shit i i'm thankful i wasn't there obviously like <laughs> That, but also now I will never not put headphones on or like muffs to do anything or like I'm always thinking about being proactive with the loud noise or something like that. Like anytime <clears throat> I've only gone shooting a couple times, but uh, more recently, but I will not like I back before if I didn't know your story before I would I wouldn't give a fuck. I'd be like, oh, like who gives a shit? I'm not fucking old. I, my ears are fine. Um. Now, like, I will not do something, like, go shooting unless I have muffs on. And, like, and I will tell everybody, no, like, you need to fucking have some. Like, from your story and and seeing you go through that shit, like, it's, yeah. I've done it, too. Like, you know, I've shot the fucking AK with no ear protection on just out in the middle of nowhere and your shit rings for a while afterwards. It's fine. But, like, it's definitely not worth it. Uh, I'll tell you that on the off chance that what happened to me happens to you, like definitely should have had earplugs in. And like, I mean, I learned that from fucking touring and shit that like, it's better at a concert. If you wear earplugs, it sounds stupid, but in, if you put yeah, earplugs you don't, in, you don't want to look like an idiot or whatever. Like, I always, always do that. I'd be like, look at this fucking guy. He's got to wear fucking earplugs. Like, yeah, what a but bitch. it sounds better. Like, at yeah. a live show, it fucking straight up sounds better if you put earplugs in. And when you go home, your shit's not ringing. So, yeah, I'm all for earplugs all the time. I fucking keep them with me because of, you know, what my shit is now. But definitely, like, almost every day at the gym. Sometimes I won't wear them if we don't have any barbell. Um, but even, like, the loud music, like, still kind of fucks with it. So I wear them almost all the time. And that's really just about the only loud environment I'm ever in. I wear them while I ride now, which again, it's better. Like I never tried it. Uh, you see all the guys when they pull off on Supercross, they take their helmet off and they pull their earplugs out. They all wear them, but it's way better riding. Like you can just more focus. You can just like hear the bike and you don't hear any, anything else. Um, but yeah, it's definitely fucking for everyone out there listening, as JP would say, <laughs> wear your fucking earplugs. Have you shot anything since then? I don't think I have. Are you scared to? Or like, no. No? Like you would? I'm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm just not like a big shooter. Yeah. You know, I have a couple guns, but like, I don't know. I just, I would go, but it's just not really my thing to like 
go and shoot. Maybe if there was like a purpose for it, if I was like fucking training to get better or something, mm-hmm. then I would go or like someone with someone that's like legit like that. But to just go and fucking waste rounds into the side of a hill, like as we did in Gardnerville, like it's just not that fun. Yeah. I, once you do it like once or twice, like yeah, done it. same yeah. shit. Um, I've got two, I've got one more like big, like, that's not that big, but business topic, and then we'll go into fucking bullshit with valet and shit. Mm-hmm. Just like talking stories. Bad touch supply, right? That's obviously your other, your baby, your like true. I, I guess they're both your true companies, true businesses. But like, this is what you created from ground up yourself. Um, like, how's business? Like, just in general terms, I guess. Yeah, it's not really a business. I don't call it no. that. No. What do, you, okay, what do you call it? It's just it's like literally nothing. Um. So it will be something someday, but for now it's not. And again, like I know that if I was 10 years ahead in business, I could make it work right now with my, with no time because I would have the skills to do that, but I just don't have the skills to run a business that needs to be built with no time and just like delegate everything from day one. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's something that I know will work long term, and it's like it's a company that I want to build to sell again, like better opportunity. Mm-hmm. But um, I just have to like keep it on the back burner and keep it alive until I have enough time and or skill to make that happen. Um, so yeah, for now I just like do. I do as much as I can, which is like literally nothing. (laughs) And, uh, all I do is the fucking supercross commentaries, which is fun and it helps and it fits like the moto demographic. So I just build the followers that are all potential customers at some point. And then, you know, just drop new gloves when I can. I don't do any paid marketing. Um, I need to just post more. And I just don't even have the time to even post. Like all I can do is fucking ship orders and do the supercross commentary. And then we set up at the track and sell gloves at races. We sell there. Um, and that's really it, but it's going to be fucking awesome at some point because of the way that the branding is designed where the dumber, the fucking shit we can come up with the better for the brand. So it's going to be super fun at some point. Are you, would you say it's at where you expected it to be? What's three years now? You got it in COVID, right? Twenty. Mm-hmm. Would you say you're at where you expected it to be, want it to be three years in? Slower, faster, bigger, smaller? Yeah. I didn't really have like a big vision for it or anything. Um, definitely like not where I want it to be or wanted it to be. Yeah, I guess you never – yeah, you always want it to be better or bigger. Right. But, you know, again, like what are you going to do? Like, oh, I wish it was better. Like, okay, well then do more. <laughs> I can make it better then. Yeah. Like it's no one's fault, but my own. So, you know, if, uh, I also like had way more time back then to work on shit and like make content and, you know, work on it with JP and stuff. And like, I'm just way busier now than I was back then. So yeah, it's frustrating, but I've kind of like let it go to the point where, you know, it still frustrates me, of course, because I know what it could be, but um, I don't like let it get to me like it used to 
where I'm just like mad at myself for it. And it's like, well, is a, a fucking glove company this like time sensitive opportunity that like people are going to stop wearing gloves all of a sudden? Like, no. So like, who gives a fuck if I can't do it for two more years and then put energy into it? Like, or if I'm just wrong and like, I find something better to do. Okay. I'll do that. Like, I'm not, I'm not like really married to any idea, but I do think that like my ideas for bad touch specifically, um, are good. Yeah. It seems like it kind of runs itself, right? Like you, like you said, you just kind of do the commentary and people will talk word of mouth and see this guy's wearing bad touch gloves or whatever. And then you get fucking Barsha to respond to you and be like, Holy shit, Barsha responded to bad touch. That's sick. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, like the snowball effect. Right. So like, you yeah, put a lot of effort in and you still get orders, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Orders every week. Um, sell a lot when we go to the track, mm-hmm. a lot of people locally wear them from buying them at the track. Um, so yeah, it's all, and that's, that's what I have to keep reminding myself about it is like there, it's all good indicators for, the actual situation of like what I put into it and what it is like, there's not any negative indicators. Like I'm trying my ass off and I just can't fucking sell a pair of gloves. Like it's all good shit. It's all positive response. Um, I'm only getting better in business. So like, again, like when I'm ready for it, then it's just going to compound on how much easier it is to like build the second one. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, all right. The moment everyone's been waiting for. Atlantis Valet, dude. Yeah. Fucking, the best stories. Dude, we could talk about this fucking shit for 10 hours with stories and shit. But, like, first, uh, first part of it is the fucking valet was closed for, like, three years with COVID. Oh, yeah. Which I think is fucking insane that it was closed, like, in general for, obviously closed for, you know, three months. But, like three fucking years i thought that was insane and they basically like laid everybody off fired everybody unless you're like a top dog if you're Leiden or jeff or christian you became a fucking bellman right i think that that they all transferred over um and then i only knew it was open because you told me obviously i drive by so i was like i would look in the parking lot and see it empty but now i see cars there but you told me that um John heard a black diamond complaining about the valet and that was all it took. Like that's, that's all it, fucking dude. Is, dude. It's the, the more like, you know, working there, obviously we're biased on how fucking ghetto the Atlantis is. And just like, I'm sure it's not just the Atlantis. It's probably every fucking casino. Cause it's all the same people. Like we would see, you know, how many cars have we been in where there's literally like 60 players cards, <laughs> on the fucking shifter it's like how how are these people members at every casino statewide but so it's all the same people that you're dealing with i'm sure there's like pros and cons of every like casino as far as like management or owners or employees or whatever but for the most part it's like valet guys are valet guys the bartenders are bartenders cocktail which is all the same fucking people so i'm sure it's the same shit everywhere but like the more things that you hear about Atlantis, it's just like the most Atlantis shit that you can possibly imagine. And that was a great example of it where like, I just randomly went in there on Christmas and it was because I was doing phase three and I was like, I got to go do my act of kindness and it's fucking 9 PM. And I was driving back from my parents and I was like, I'm going to go to the Atlantis and fucking tip them for nothing. 
And so I go there and there's fucking cars. I was like, what the fuck? fuck? And Lyde's like, oh, hey, dude. It's like slammed. He's like, pull up. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> no urgency whatsoever. And uh, I was like, the fuck? They open? He's like, yeah, two days ago. I was like, oh, perfect timing. Right before the fucking busiest day of the year. And he's like, dude, you should see these fucking guys we got working here. It's like, this motherfucker's like 300 pounds. Reference from Donna. It's like, of course. <laughs> and then... uh and he's like, they don't even have a uniform for him. They got him wearing the fucking bell outfit. Oh <laughs> and I'm like, God. yep, of course. Like how big of a deal our fucking uniforms <laughs> were. And then, yeah, it's fine. Like just put him in another department's uniform. And then I was like, what happened? And then he's the one that told me, he's like, yeah, apparently some black diamond complained. Like, you know, this uh, a casino host was getting ripped into for not hitting his quota or whatever the fuck they have to do. And there's like, where's this guy been? He's like, dude, he won't come back here because there's no valet. And just like that, it got run up the chain through 80 levels of management. It hits John. And for all, he's just like, the valet is now open, even though it's been closed for three years and they have no staff. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Like when you told me that story, I was just fucking dying laughing. And you hear that and you're not us or you've never worked there. It's like, oh, like, what's the big deal? Or like, okay, like that sounds weird, but... Like, if you worked there, you would fucking understand that that is just typical daily fucking shit that would happen there. Happen, something happens, they say one thing, and it doesn't make any fucking sense, but we're rolling with it. And uh, Yeah, and, and, it's and just nonstop decisions on the fly. It's fucking, yeah, Black Diamond's the highest membership. Yeah, and, then, and then Colton asked this one, which I know you know this one too. It's a good question. Yeah, well, back then, I think they changed the tiers. I don't think it's called Black Diamond anymore. It might be. But um, back then, you have to cycle uh, 250000 a year through the machines. So they're – I don't know nice. exactly how they how they count the cycling. Like, is it just input? And, like, if you win and you put it back in, is that probably counts as – I don't know how the math works, but that was, like, the, the level to reach Black Diamond. And um, – <clears throat> But yeah, like the decision making there is fucking insane because like John always wins like entrepreneur of the year and shit. So obviously the dude is a smart businessman. He knows what he's doing. But as far as like micromanagement goes in shit that you have no clue, the worst, like Mm -hmm. for coming out and seeing that there's a line for valet and then just losing it on the valet as if no one knows what the fuck he's doing, they're doing when like the supervisor that's taking in all the cars has worked there for 10 years, just like, okay, guy, like ego. Don't you think that your fucking long-term valet employee probably knows a little bit more about valet than you? Like, I know it's your property, but like, let's take a step back and like, give the guy the benefit of the doubt for just one second before you fucking tell us how to rearrange the entire port. Can't park cars here anymore. We got to do this. And then the thing is more fucked up than normal weird because they knew what they were doing. And like, I'll never forget. I think it was like the Mayweather something fight, the biggest fucking fight. Yeah. Big You're fight. probably there. Mm-hmm. And the valet lot was full totally full we had no more spots every fucking key ring on the board was full and i think donna was managing or someone that night again someone that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing and it's like hey we're we're full 
And like, we're expecting they're going to like, okay, you know, no more valet. Like we can't take any more cars. We're fucking full. There's nowhere to put them. And she goes, well, all right. <sighs> Better start parking at HR then, which is like fucking two blocks down the street. And it's like fucking Cody, grab the chalk and run over there and start marking it. It's fucking yeah. insane. It's fucking it's insane. Literally insane. Yeah. Anything to just fucking get more volume of people in. Not because, okay, we could fucking cap it. Nope, we got to fucking get them in and fuck you, ballet employees. <laughs> yeah. And like the two, the stories that I've, that I heard that are both great examples of that, that I wasn't there for, they happened right before I started and right before you started. One of them was when the spa was getting remodeled. It's on the third floor. And this is a story from Cressy Nick. Both these are stories from Cressy Nick. Um, the spa was getting remodeled. If you guys are local to Reno, you know, like the Atlantis valet port, it's like fat on top. So it like kind of goes up to the third floor. So when they're remodeling the pool out there, one of the construction workers hopped over the fence and then walked over to like, so he's standing directly on top of the valet port fucking jumps off into the outside lane there, kills himself, just fucking takes a head head dive onto the pavement here and crusty nick was telling me because he was the whole point of the story was like they will never close the valet and then he tells me this story and he's like yeah i was there for that this guy killed himself he died medics were here they had a white sheet over the body and we we're still parking cars they didn't shut the valet <laughs> down Jesus i'm like damn they're Christ. never fucking shutting it down no. <laughs> yeah that, exactly that's how you know and then the, the, the other good story, which I did confirm this one. Cause I was like, dude, this is like, I don't know if this is true. Um, there is a shuttle driver named Bob that used to work there. And this bellman that still works there named Chad, he's a germaphobe. Lifer, 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 three days a week, lifer, um, fucking, he is the pre COVID germaphobe. This motherfucker, we had like these industrial strength sanitary wipes. We would go through so many of these fucking things and we called them Chad wipes when we worked there because he would just every single bell cart he touched, door handle, he was fucking wiping his hands with that shit. He's doing his uniform at the end. I seen him do his face, his tongue when fucking Malachias <laughs> tried to kiss him or some shit. <laughs> and uh, and <clears throat> straight germaphobe. So we, he also invented the pre-COVID Chad bump is what we called it because he would fist bump everyone instead of shake their hand, yeah. which was frowned upon by management, but he just fucking did it anyway because he is germaphobe. And uh, he would, and he always called everyone bud. He's like, what's up, bud? What's up, bud? What's up, bud? And he, you know, give the fist bump. It's context for what's about to happen in the story. So shuttle driver named Bob quits, doesn't work there anymore right at the light where we run across to get cars every day. Bob's sitting there just driving down South on Virginia street. Some dude comes up to his car and fucking shoots him in the side of the head. The guy survives and pulls into the Atlantis parking lot into the valet up the port backwards, which happens probably about once a week dumbasses come into the port backwards and mm -hmm. you know the valet guy when that happens you're like what a fucking dumbass like who the <laughs> fuck is this you get so mad when that happens so i could just see like 
Krusty Nick being there late at night, dirty ass uniform. So why his name is Krusty Nick. Couldn't fucking wash it. Someone pulls up the port backwards. He's probably just like, what the fuck? And then Bob gets out and he's like, he knew him. He's like, Bob? And he's like, ah, and like he's fucking bleeding out of his head. And then so they like get him a wheelchair right out of the back. They like get him towels. He's like got towels on his head and they just wheel him inside. They call the ambulance. Chad was doing a fucking bell run and he's coming back with the empty cart and he just sees Bob sitting there totally clueless. Like can't put together that he's sitting in a wheelchair and he has a bloody towel on his head and he goes, Bob, what's up, bud? And fucking tries to give him the fucking Chad bump. Just got shot in the head right out front. And I was like, no way. And, Krusty Nick told me that story because we used to work together a lot because it was just us two. We would stay every night. <laughs> and uh, right before I quit, I asked Chad about that. I was like, dude, I got to ask you about this story. And he was like, yep, that's true. That did happen. Dude, I've never like, heard wow. that story. Oh, really? Never. Never heard yeah. that. That's fucking yep. insane. Oh, my God. What? Did they find out why he got shot? Or fucking, like, yeah, the, the guy, he had the wrong guy. He thought it was someone else, like same car or something, and oh my, fucking so, like, shot the wrong guy. or some shit. Some weird shit, yeah. Holy fuck. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I've never heard that. Wow. Holy shit. I can't believe. Yeah, when no one ever told me that, I'm... That's insane. Um, <laughs> when, remember, I don't remember the other fucking shoulder driver's name, the Hawaiian dude. You always did a good impression of him with the fist bump, man. Johnny, <laughs> dude. Yeah, Johnny. That's right. I forgot about him. Oh yeah. my god, he fucking gives you the fist bump, and he's like, <laughs> and it was like this. Yeah, it was a weird, a weird like quarter fist. It like wasn't a put, fist. Yeah, he wouldn't put his fingers to his his palm. Yeah, dude, that uh, guy. Yeah, I remember fucking because you can't understand what the fuck he's saying. Like huge yeah. language barrier. And so, like, you ask him, remember they fucking fired his ass because he had to have heart surgery and they wouldn't give him time off? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Another fucking Atlantis move. Um, but he had hella money, Stanton told me one time, because uh, he won a fucking lawsuit against, like, it was like Walmart or McDonald's or some shit up near Truckee. He was on the 80 and, like, a, a semi that was driving for the company, like ran his ass off the road and he fucking put his car into a ditch and he won like some big settlement. And that's why he could just, he was like, ah, whatever. Like I'll just quit for the heart surgery thing. And which is like, when you can picture this guy, like the little Hawaiian shuttle driver that like, can't really speak English. And he's like sketchy as fuck on the road. And like, (laughs) like always just laughing because he, we can't understand each other. And then you can just see him like fucking winning this lawsuit, getting run off the road. It's just like just fits perfectly. Yep. Yeah, of course that happened to that dude. No, I don't miss working there. Uh, it's fun to tell stories, but no, I don't miss it. Yeah, your brain I mean, plays tricks on you where you only remember the good times. Oh yeah, and like when you were there, it was fucking miserable. You're just waiting for eleven o'clock. Yep, I fucking take the EO. It's good money <laughs> for what it's worth, and like. But you're capped out. You will never make more than fucking minimum wage and about 100 bucks a night. Yep. Like That's that. it. You're capped out. That's it. Always. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's very easy to take the EO because they're like, yeah, who wants like, to go yeah. home? And you're just like, fuck. I do. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, yeah. It's it's hard to stay, but it depends on the crew too. It's it's weird how you know you, we went through like 
fucking waves of retards that were working there or waves of like a solid crew. Like when I first started, like I got hired, I think you got hired right after me. Right. Yeah. I wanted to ask like you that next one. How did that even happen? Like, cause you worked at the bistro. Yeah. Why did you, did you just transfer? You're like, Oh, I want to try something else. Yeah. I hated the bistro. There was like, oh, okay. I, I could tell some stories about that that are funny, but it, I don't even have the positive association that I have with the valet there. But yeah, I, um, there's this kid, Kevin, that used to work at the bistro and then he started working at the valet and then he was going to leave or something. So I knew there was going to be a spot open. So then I put in for the transfer and then I got it. That's how I started working down there. Okay. Yeah. I started right mm -hmm. after you though. Yeah. Yeah. But we had a good crew for a while there. Um, like right at the beginning where it was like us and like Trev and Nevin and Krusty Nick was like, he was like, okay. I, I liked how negative he was because it was like yeah. funny when he's just like, oh, fuck, dude. Like anytime <laughs> you ask him, oh, fuck, dude. And yeah, so there was like a good crew there for a while. Kenny. Kenny was solid. Fucking Kenny the was best. awesome. Lydon yeah. was awesome. Stanton yeah. was awesome. And then, uh, and yeah, then, Nevin, yeah, I remember. Nevin Blem, Colton, yes. Yeah, Nevin, yeah. Um, and And then we just had that crew shortly after that of all those fucking idiots that worked there with like Turbo Lag Chris and like fucking, <laughs> what was the other kid's name? Fucking, oh, Derby Donald. Yeah, Derby Donald. He fucking Everyone crashed had right in the port like two, two times in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that like that's when Rahada started working there. Yep, yep. And we're just like, Jesus Christ, the kid can't even drive a stick. He's fucking smoking the clutch on this. Dude, Jeep. you can oh, smell the fucking clutch. The across guy was the so pissed. <laughs> Which just again, Atlantis move. Like literally, the only fucking question that Howard asked me in the interview was, "Can you drive a stick?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "All right, cool." And then he just started going into like service based mm -hmm. shit. And I'm like, okay, well, that was a fucking easy interview. And then like six months later, they're hiring kids that can't fucking drive a stick. I'm like, what's going on here? And then it was just like that, that summer, we just had like the worst crew. So again, like it sucked to work with all those guys, but it's funny as fuck when you think back on how much of a shit show that is like when the dude in that F-150 just gave us 20 bucks to like watch after his truck and fucking Derby Donald smokes the bumper with that Corolla <laughs> and just like one of the worst fucking crashes ever because the truck is, you, you can, you can think of like almost like a parallel parking situation where the Corolla is right behind the truck. So then Derby Donald is going to pull it out to the left to start driving it around the truck, not even close to clearing so he tags the fucking front quarter panel on the guy's bumper, like not even close. He hit the fucking front of the car on this dude's bumper. Here's it hit and just fucking gasses it all the <laughs> way through right. the front door, right. all the way through the rear door, all the way to the rear quarter panel oh destroys the side of this fucking Corolla and the bumper of the guy that just gave us 20 bucks. <sighs> That's right. I forgot he just kept fucking going. I forgot <laughs> yeah. about that. And then he's the same kid that like he's when he got fired for his second crash, it was the same situation, but from the other lane. So Literally. parallel park yeah. situation. And he was pulling a big truck out to the right to get going. 
and the truck on those older Chevys before they had like stock tow mirrors, you can get these shitty like clip on things that clip on the outside of the mirror that have like a little bubble mirror that make it longer. And Krusty Nick specifically told him, Hey, watch those mirrors. <laughs> Fucking does the same shit, clips the mirror. The thing easily pops off. It falls. The mirror breaks like not a big deal, but that's still considered a crash. And he fucking hops out of the truck and was like, yeah, saw it coming. We're like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what do you mean you saw it coming? Linda? <laughs> like, why didn't you stop? <laughs> oh, he's like, fuck, I'm just going to do it, dude. Fucking yeah, send it. Saw it coming. Uh, yeah, that kid is incredible. And then, yeah, Turbo like Chris, he was another, like, nice kid, smart kid, but just fucking... No, I came up with Turbo Lag Chris. Yeah, I don't know about Derby Donald, but and Turbo yeah, it's, it, Derpy Donald, not Derby. <laughs> Der- Derby oh, it was good. Derby. Was it? I thought it was yeah. Derpy. Oh, I no. call it. I always call them Derpy Donald. No, it was Derby, like Demolition Derby. Oh, it make that makes more sense. I fucking call him Derpy Donald because he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, that works too. But um, <sighs> Turbo Lag Chris, I came up with that one because like no social skills. And like people would come up to the window and they would ask like an easy question. And he would be like, his brain, this kid was an engineer, like smart kid, but his brain would fucking spool up and you could see it. it he's like, and then it would just all come out at once. And you're just like, Jesus Christ. That's right. Oh my God. Got split tips with this motherfucker. Colton asked, how much of a pain is it when someone crashed a customer car? I mean, it just kind of, de- I guess it depends, but like, it's really a pain for the person if you're the one who crashed it because you fucking, you got to fill out a report and then you got to fucking, you immediately go and get drug tested right there. They take you down. Yeah, you got to go they, to Atlantis oh, they, jail. They, they, I was gonna say they take. I was just gonna say that they take you to Atlantis jail. They fucking take you to the goddamn security office and you have to sit there while they find someone who fucking can drive you to Concentra. Mm-hmm. And fucking get oh my god! By the way, can we talk about the fucking security at that place? Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, I was just talking about it the other day. I can't remember what the context was, but just crazy the fucking incompetence of casino security. And now this might be a department that is better at other casinos. I'm not sure. It can't be any worse. I know that, mm-hmm. but like. You know exactly who I'm talking about when I say Humpty Dumpty was working fucking security with the size fucking 46 waist <laughs> and a 30-inch leg, you know? Yep. Dude. Like what the fuck um, are they going to do? Like, we would straight up have fucking domestic battery going on in the port. Stanton would call security. 12 minutes later, Humpty Dumpty and two other guys that are like ROTC kids fucking walk up. Guy's long gone. It's like... Yep, needed you a little while ago, um, but <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then, like, I'll never forget this lady when I I already thought so lowly of security because of that happening over and over. And then this lady that worked there, she probably worked at the Atlanta, she probably still works there, but for years and years and years. And she was a fucking porter. Like, she's the one that's walking around fucking changing the trash and, like, cleaning up puke like literally the worst fucking job ever and this lady looked like a fucking witch straight up like she yeah, had a fucking witch. crooked nose fucking skinny as fuck 
uh, like that hair that is like real stringy, just parted down the middle, shortcut. And then like you see her as like the porter. And then all of a sudden you see her training in security. And I'm just like, fuck, hey, like, what are we yeah. doing here? Yeah, I, I used to call her Wicked Witch of the Meth. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I think oh, like God. literally everyone had a nickname there. And then Charles was the one that gave everyone bad nicknames if he yeah, didn't it, like you. If he didn't like you, you had a fucking terrible nickname. Lindsay says, do you keep in contact with these guys or is this the main friendship to come out of it? Yeah, I think I have contact. Like we have contact with Rahada and Jeff and Leiden, but like not like daily or anything. Yeah, actually, uh, Lydon texted me this morning. He just bought a condo. He sent me the oh, keys. He's like, bought a condo. I was like, sick. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'll go yeah. in and um, just fucking say hi to them sometimes because it's like the same, like the OGs still fucking work there. So yeah, it's it's fun to go in there and say hi to them. But yeah, mostly just like us. And then like, I wish I stayed in contact with Trev more often than I do. Mm-hmm. I haven't really seen Nevin. Uh, I saw him at the gym one time, but that's like yeah, it. He, he started coming to Double Edge one time. He did? Oh, is that you saw him at a different gym? Yeah, at any time. Dude, yeah, he fucking signed up. I remember Lindsay and Jacob were both telling me, like, yeah, we got this new guy named Nevin, and there's like only one fucking person named Nevin in Reno. <laughs> I mean, at least. Yeah. I was like, Blem? And they're like, yeah, how do you know? I said, I went to high school with him. I worked with him at the valet. And they're like, yeah, he just started yesterday, you know, it's like six months ago or whatever. Mm. And then he hasn't been back since. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I wonder what happened. But I, I yeah. mean, I, he has to know you go there. I, I, I don't know if he knows I go there because I don't want to talk to him, but he has to know you do. But I would think. Know. I don't know. I don't, yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Nah, and then like, yeah, Krusty Nick, no one's ever heard of that from that guy since. Mm-mm. I mean, he's working for Tomwa. Guarantee he's still working for Tomwa. And it was weird. Like, you know, that we had this crew at the valet and then the whole crew went to the fucking bread job. Like yeah, Trevor true. went there cause he had yeah. some sort of hookup to get the job for fucking bimbo bakery His uncle or, some shit. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some shit. And then like fucking, uh, what's his face? Taylor went, uh, fucking Taylor. Nevin went Trent fucking Trent may. <laughs> Trent yeah. May, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but now not, yeah, not too much, but just here and there. But yeah, dude, fucking uh, Charles. We have to talk about Charles. It's mandatory. Um, yeah, when we're going to right now. Um, I put this as like a note. I, like that place is like a fucking slow death. If dude, like especially if you're stuck there as a lifer, like Chad or Lydon or Stan, like I love them all or like you know, they're great people and stuff. But like, it's like a slow fucking death, and you're just like stuck in this rut, and that and you know like. The only way to get out of it is you fucking leave and you're not going to get a raise. Stanton will always make the same amount of money. Chad will always make the same amount of money. Ladd will always make the same amount of money, which is great if you, if you like it, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I yeah, thought it was it's, a slow death. Yeah. A casino is just like a fucking negative place to work anyway. Just like the, the energy. I mean, you could really feel it when you work fucking graveyard with Charles, yeah, yeah. but it's just like, fuck, this is not a positive place. You don't really feel it like when you're just kind of cruising through and in like, you know, a Friday night or something. But like when you're there and like you, you witness 
the people that come in and out of there, it's just like, fuck, this is not a good place to spend time. Not at all. Um, <laughs> Bullet Bob, that's a good nickname. <laughs> yeah, Bullet Bob. He doesn't I, work there anymore. I, I, I don't know if he's still alive. He might be, yeah. yeah. I mean, he didn't succumb to the injuries, so it's, uh, as far as we know, he's still going. Yeah, so nicknames, right? So Charles, okay, so a little background on Charles. I'll say a little bit about him. If you have anything to add, you can. Basically, I'm trying to think of a way to put it, like closet genius and like one of the smartest guys I've ever met, like book smart for sure, but he also knows a lot of things about everything. He's kind of like at you, honestly, like you know a lot of shit about shit. Um, anywho, like, but not, not only that, um, was the most negative fucking person ever. Hated everything, hated everyone, had nothing positive to say unless he tipped, unless you got tipped to five, five dollars was all it took, to be honest. What a handsome fella. You always say shit like that. But it was in the most sarcastic asshole tone because he could still turn it negative. Like, what a handsome fella. And he like holds up a five. And very fucking sarcastic. But like... It was like sarcasm, but it was like there was truth or seriousness to the sarcasm, right? Like he was like, he would say it sarcastically, but exactly like you said, he he's like, fuck this guy, this fucking asshole, this, all these fucking deep thoughts. Um, worked graveyard for life, worked valet or bell for life. I think the Atlantis was maybe his second or third casino that he bounced around from, um, which is also another funny topic, how all those guys bounce from casinos or have bounced from casinos like... And they've all worked together like, oh, yeah, I, I used to work with Charles and uh, uh, Chad and fucking uh, Howard at the fucking what they call it, the the Fandango, not the Fandango. But it, was it was like, like the Flamingo or something. Yeah, Flamingo. Shit. That's not even a thing yeah. anymore. Yeah. The Flamingo. Yeah, that's good, good fucking call. And then they fucking moved to the Atlantis. Um, the Fitzgerald, I think, was another one, too. But anywho, Charles worked graveyard for life, worked bell or valet for life, bounced around from different casinos, um, and he would choose to work graveyard because he hated everybody, and he especially hated management or any sort of leadership that would be on his case or would micromanage. And the Atlantis was huge on micromanaging. Um, and anywho, if you if he hated you, like actually hated you, not sarcastically or like would talk shit about you, like he would just do that anyway. You had the worst nickname possible. Um, like he would call Nolan a wagon burner. <laughs> like what the? <laughs> f- <laughs> Absolutely insane. Um, Wasn't Nolan also Coma Boy? Yes. Or is that a different kid? No, same person. Yeah. Also yeah, Coma, Coma Boy, Boy, because he would, and Nolan was basically like just your typical idiot that worked there kind of like derby donald and all those and the other guys we've talked about it's just like anyway you got the worst nickname um hatchet head another nickname one of the fucking classics right i'll, I'll With, tell the story on hatchet head when you perfect done. yeah um hatchet head and if you had a good a good nickname it was just like a play on your name so he would call me Corey. so alex always calls me hey Corey. <laughs> Corey. yeah Corey, exactly he would call Alex Axel. Just he would like basically just change the letters or what would he what would he call? I think he would just call Matt Matt maybe or Stan Stan. 
then I, I guess he, you, he, he had a nickname for most people, but it, if he liked you, he also just called you by your name too. You didn't mm-hmm. have to have one, I guess. Yep. Um, I guess that's like a, a summary of him right there. Yeah. He is like literally the smartest dude I ever fucking met. And <clears throat> like, he definitely, he takes a while to warm up. And I remember when I first started working there, people were telling me he was gay and stuff. And I worked with him at, graveyard and i'm like i think they're fucking with me or something and then after he like warmed up enough to where he was comfortable like saying weird shit around you then he would just drop it like you know where it's fucking 3 a.m you're standing there like fucking kill me there's no one in the casino and you know someone walks by like a porter that's like a young filipino boy filling up the waters or something out there and he would say some fucking off the wall shit like something about like wanting to suck that dude's dick and you're just like what the fuck he yep. just dropped that out of nowhere or just like you know you would be t- trying to talk to him and be like yeah i want this and he'd be like well i want a young filipino boy to suck me off but that's not gonna happen is it so you're true, like what right. the fuck yeah what the fuck he would say the most fucking morbid shit I've ever heard, but just coming from him is so funny. And that's like Hatchet Head, this dude Troy, who was fucking cool as he fuck. He just said this too, Hatchet Head. It's perfect. Yeah, Hatchet Head. Um, yeah, this dude Troy. Troy was fucking cool as fuck. Like, he was hella cool to work with. He's the opposite of Charles. Like, super happy, like, never fucking complaining, talking to all the guests. Like, he's there to fucking get as many tips as possible like i've seen him do some shit where you know they they pull up the car valet pulls up the car and and troy worked bell and so troy's waiting there with the bags the car pulls up his fucking piece of shit like beat to fuck and he'll be like is this it man bet you guys take some great road trips in this thing (laughs) just like trying to fucking get money out of these people and like if they stiffed him he'd have his fucking head in the car like they're trying to leave he's like all right, you guys have a safe journey. <laughs> and But Troy was just sick, and that's why Charles hated him. I guarantee you there's no other reason. It's just because Troy is positive and happy, and fucking Charles hates that, and they used to work with each other 14 years ago at another casino. And so Troy's got this fucking huge scar on his head, and it's like not even a scar. It's like his fucking skull is dented in, very noticeable. And... uh and we were talking about it one night. It's just me and me and Charles working valet, just the two of us or working graveyard. And, and Troy got brought up and I was like, yeah, what happened to his head? Do you know? And he was like, <laughs> it's like, he's telling a fucking myth, like a legend. He's yeah. like some, he goes, some say he was hitting the head with a fireplace poker when he was a baby. And I was like, Oh God, that's fucking brutal. And he was like, Personally, I think it was a botched abortion attempt. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, God damn, Charles. Fucking A. Just so fucking negative. And oh, God, I I will never forget that story. Because he would tell people that same and same fucking mannerisms, right? He's telling Mm -hmm. that story to you. The same same way he's telling you that story, he tells me the exact same way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyone that'll fucking listen to it. Yeah. And just like perfect... Same mannerisms. Oh man, yeah. He, and he like, yeah. If he, when I figured out that he actually like liked me, 
is when he turned the shifts when we were working together into like show and tell almost like he would bring something in to show me it was really weird but he had this fucking old french car that he loved and this dude is just weird as fuck on every level like i don't know exactly what happened but there was some event in his life that fucked everything up and it was when he was in college at some point because he didn't finish college which is crazy to think because of how smart this dude is yeah and, and he fucking um he had this car and you couldn't get parts for it because it's like some obscure car. It's called a it's Citroen. Called, oh, that's what it was. I was called like, yeah, I was the Citroen ES or something. Some shit like that. Yeah. And I remember for fucking show and tell, he brings me this binder. And so when I started talking about how weird he is, like this dude like lives in an apartment by himself. He has a fucking lathe inside of his apartment so he can like machine his own parts for these cars. And brings in this binder and the Citroen's um, headlights turned with the wheel, like on a mechanical thing. Cause this is before like electronically you could do that. And so this part broke, you can't get the part. So he like machines the part himself and the binder that he brought in was just pages and pages and pages of handwritten math. Like he wouldn't use a calculator. He had some like old school mathematical tool he would fucking use for some of these calculations. And, but he explains all this shit to me. I'm like, dude, I have no fucking clue what the hell you're talking about. And the moral of the story was that he machined this part down to like, if I turn the wheel to a 44 degree angle, the headlights also turn at a 44. Like it couldn't be off by a degree, you know? So he machines this part and I'm just like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? But like you were saying, not only like book smart like that, this dude could go on Jeopardy and fucking crush anyone because anything you talked about or that he brought up, he would know so many specific details about it. He'd be like, oh, have you heard of this movie? I'm like, no. And he's like, oh, well, it was this movie and it came out in this year and it was uh, directed by this guy. It's actually based on a novel by a different name of this and that novel came out in this year and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, and then you go back to what he was going to say and you're just like, dude, what the fuck? Like, you're so weird. <laughs> he just knew everything about, or he knew a little bit about everything. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, and that's a good point you brought up with the show and tell shit is if he liked you, he would, yeah, like you said, he would, he would bring stuff to talk to you about. I remember mm -hmm. he would always bring like he'd bring that huge fucking book. He always had it in his backpack. And if he cared about you or wanted to hang out with you, he would pull it out and fucking pull out and it's this huge fucking thing like yep. Like a goddamn encyclopedia. Yeah. Of handwritten shit like you said. And he'd pull out a page and talk to you and you're like, "Dude, I have no fucking clue what you're saying. I don't really care." But it's like, "What else are the fuck we going to do?" And he's Literally probably thinking nothing. the same thing. "What else are the fuck we going to do tonight?" So I'm going to talk to you about my passions and tell you shit. Um, yeah. So he would, he'd bring the book in or he would always do the book. But then he would always bring in these little gadgets too. I remember he always had like – I'm trying to think of like a – they were like metal or ceramic. And he would bring in these little like balls or something or it was like a perfect creation in his mind or whoever created it. It was like perfectly symmetrical or like – 
you couldn't do any you couldn't un um if it was like a puzzle it was never meant to be beaten you couldn't or something and he was just like mm-hmm. dude this thing is so beautiful and he was so passionate about how like the architecture and the the effort that went into it and he was just so fascinated by these little gadgets or just these little things and he would have them in yep. his pocket and just pull it out yeah that's true yeah it's like <clears throat> super weird how he can just fucking hate everything but then like low-key like super passionate about Mm -hmm. engineering type weird shit like that i want to say this was similar yeah that's similar yeah his was a different color but it was yeah almost the same thing as that yeah this fucking thing and it's just so so i had no idea what the fuck he's talking about he's like i drove the sit today like okay (laughs) Like, all right, dude, whatever. Colton says, seems like he could have had a successful career doing something else. Yeah, I don't For know sure. if he always or only did valet, like dropped out of college, didn't finish it, and then it was only Bell or valet, or like if he did. Oh, no. Actually, I do know that. It's all coming back to me. He used to write for the newspaper. Did you know that? No. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, he used to write for the newspaper. I don't know if it was like articles or if he i guess it had to have been articles i don't know what the, the subject matter was but yeah i remember that he would write for the newspaper and i i don't know the story as to why he left or got fired or something but that's right holy shit i haven't fucking that just all came to me last i heard uh when i was there on christmas i asked about him and they said that he got fired because he fucking crashed hella bad into someone the bumper was laying on the ground in the parking lot and he just didn't even fucking report it. Like (laughs) he fucking backed into something so bad. The bumper falls off the car, doesn't say shit. And then of course, like they pull it around in the morning. They're like, what the fuck? (laughs) So they checked the cameras and they fucking fired his ass. And then he was working at Best Buy. If you can imagine him working customer facing job, that's insane. But that's, that's insane. Cause yeah. Hey, hey, you know, what's this TV? Can you tell me about it? He's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he was doing there, but that's what oh they said. They're like, yeah, last we heard, he, we heard he was working at Best Buy, but that was a while ago is what they said. Damn. And I feel like, yeah, man, he's he definitely has a dark past or like a, a dark, rough upbringing because I feel like he also didn't have – I mean, he was an older guy, right? He was – when we were there, he was probably early 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he didn't have any family. Like I think they were all passing away. But not if he did have any family, he definitely didn't talk to any of them. Hated everybody. Hated all of them. He had like a couple best friends that he would talk about, and he's like, I don't remember their names, but he's like, you know, they're coming over this weekend, and, or they came over, and we had some wine, and it was magnificent. He was just mm-hmm. like, telling these stories. I remember he was telling uh, just to like show how passionate he was about like literature and stuff, which. I think he got an English degree, which is why he wrote for the newspaper, but he would talk about, he saw some statue on some trip to DC or something like that. And on the the side of it was writings from George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or something. And he said he started crying reading it and it was just just so touching and it was just so like beautiful. It's just like, he just was so fucking deep with that shit. He says that shit and like you think of him doing that, which I can't even fathom. And then that's the same guy that like word for word on New Year's because I was working there. I was on to five to one and Charles was there for the regular grave graveyard shift. So they overlapped and someone stiffed him, bring around the car 
and he he comes back in the booth and says, "I hope you get a Drano and Enema this year." <laughs> what the fuck? And it's just like that's fucking funny because he added the this year on there when it was on New Year's, <laughs> right? <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of like, "I hope you have a good year," or you know, uh-huh. bring. Piece this year, he goes. I hope the, I hope they have a Drano enema this year. Just so yeah, so fucking detailed on his his insults or anything he would say. Dude, that <laughs> and place yeah, is fucked. If you got a decent, if he got a decent tip, he that was all like sarcastically, but that was all it took to basically win him over mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Or... Yeah, oh, there's a uh, Dude, there's fucking so many characters that have worked there over the years. And then the fucking guests are even worse. I was just talking the other day about the fucking gypsies, dude. The whole family. Yep. These fucking people, they were, uh, we call them them the gypsies, which is probably not politically correct. But I think they were of Romanian descent, which is like a bad name for Romanians. Because I Googled it one time when I was at work because I'm like, I don't get it. And they, people like mistake Romanians for Egyptians back in the day. And that's where like gypsy came from. And then it became like the nomadic people. But it's funny because they truly were nomadic and probably still are to this day. And they're probably still driving that fucking white Nissan. What's it called? The the truck, not a frontier. The other one though. Yeah. Oh, anyway, fuck. I don't remember. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's the same truck that Nevin drove, but fucking beat to fuck in two wheel drive. A Titan. Is it a Titan? Titan. Yep. Titan. Yep. Yeah. And uh, they were fucking nomadic, dude. They just went from casino to casino and they would fucking get the comped rooms. And as long as they kept playing, they kept getting the rooms comped. And that's where they lived at these casinos. And it was the whole family. And they would just roll fucking. 12 deep and they would have all their fucking belongings in trash bags, not even in real luggage. And then they would want a fucking bell cart and they would never tip. And their car was fucking disgusting and smelled bad. And all of them mobile dent repair is their business. Mm -hmm. Remember that they would fucking the younger guys, they would get out and like, it's like they're working at the Atlantis. Like they would be greeting guests like with us trying to fucking do mobile dent repair on their car. Like I could get this out for 40 bucks. We're like, <laughs> dude, fucking get the fuck out of here. Oh, God. Yeah, and man. yeah, they're like always fucking, they're the worst for, we already don't like them. We always have to put up with their shit. They never tip. And then they have a gross ass car. They're not nice. They're fucking hustling people in the port. Someone's pissed because they have to go drive their truck. We run back. And as soon as we run back, they're standing there and they have to go get the car again. And you're just like fucking a, but then you play this game with these people because one, no one wants to drive their car. And two, we know they're coming back for it. So we keep it close. And as soon as you start doing that, then they think that they're VIP they're like, oh, they like us. They're keeping the car close. But it's like, no, it's because no one wants to drive your fucking disgusting ass truck. And we know you're going to fucking come back for it in five seconds. And then when they do come back, they're handing you the ticket that's already been ripped off. And you're like, this isn't the right ticket. They're like, yeah, that's the one that they gave me. We're like, nope, 
This one's already been ripped. This is the one from three times ago earlier today when you were in and out of here. Oh, man. Well, it's the white Titan. We're like, yeah, we fucking know what car it is. I'm just telling you that it's the wrong fucking ticket, dude. Yeah. Um, Colton asked, did you guys ever meet an Australian guy named John? Pretty high-level member there. I don't – I can't remember mm-hmm. that. I don't remember either. Not that. Generally, we would know people if they were pieces of shit or if they were really cool. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like the high players, the high players have um, dedicated parking, so not all of them use the valet. They like kind of just park themselves either near the valet or around like near the other doors. So we didn't know all of them. <clears throat> and yeah, definitely like we knew all the pieces of shit for the same reason as the Jippos. Like we just hated fucking dealing with them. And then the people that were cool as fuck because, like, they come in and they tip 20 every time. Like, we know them as soon as they pull up. Yeah, we're like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we knew the, the opposites there. Um, Dude, it's crazy the fucking difference in Black Diamonds, though. Like, earlier, we're, we're like, yeah, you have to cycle 250 a year through the machines. But it's insane. Like, you have the Black Diamonds that are, like, real. They have, like, real money. And they just have a gambling problem. That's all there is to it. But they have the money for it, like clearly. And then there's other people. I don't know what this guy's name was, but he was that guy that was a fucking handyman that like did carpet and shit. And he had that beat fucking van that was all dented up and was just carpet pad thrown in the back and shit. And he would show up like almost every day at 445. And that dude's a black diamond driving like a fucking $1,000 car and just working uninsured as a fucking handyman under the table cash and just putting every cent he makes into the machines. Yeah. And it, people like that, they're almost like committed to staying black diamond because they don't want to lose it. So it's mm-hmm. like this fucking cycle that they have to keep going back, spending all their fucking money just to be like, I'm a black diamond there and I get a free room every week or whatever yeah. the fuck happens yeah. and just in this fucking cycle. Cause they don't want to drop down a tier it's the Even only place where they have like it. any type of status in life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're like, well, I'm going to get the, I get a free buffet every day. So that, that'll pay for my food or whatever. It's like, fuck. Yeah. Fuck, it's dude. like, yeah, that's a good ROI for, for Ahis. like <sighs> give them fucking $13 worth of food at cost. And then they're going to put another 300 <laughs> in the machines on the way out. Yeah. Like it's crazy. And like, remember when those fucking people from Winnemucca hit the, hit the jackpot on the wheel of fortune machine right by the cage and they won like 2.3 million that was like a crazy example of how casinos work just like some random couple that was there hit this big jackpot it was like one of the biggest ever there and the whole place was just fucking on lockdown for these people all of a sudden like instant black diamond status fucking instant casino host assign like put them in the suite it was just like oh fuck we have to pay out 2.3 million keep those motherfuckers here for as long as possible like make them put it back in the machines exactly and then fucking 60 days later they're fucking right back in there brand new cummins pulling up we're like that's gonna be gone quick (laughs) (laughs) they fucking they got your ass dude yeah um Lindsay asked how did you deal with people's dirty ass cars fucking literally some of them were so bad that you had to drive with your head out the window across the street and it was like that was when having the fucking shitty crew was good because Leiden didn't like them and Leiden was like in charge of like 
go park this one, go park this one. So if it's like the worst fucking cars, like the, the brain damage <laughs> me guy, <laughs> we have to talk about it. <laughs> but if it was like that, Lydon would just give that car to like Derby Donald because he didn't give a fuck and he didn't like Donald either. But there was sometimes when it was like so busy that it's just like we got to get it out of here and you're next. And he just looks at you. He's like, sorry, dude. I mean, it's yeah. like, I get it. And then those ones, so foul. Like you just, the SIG cars were bad where you, there's like literally a, a moist film on the windshield because of smoke and SIGs inside the car in the hand, like where you put your hands, which is like, you have to fucking drive the car with your hands. So anywhere you put your hands is black. The entire steering wheel, the shifter, the door handle to get out of it is fucking black. You got fast food wrappers up to and then over the passenger seat. Just like gross shit. The only time I've ever seen them deny a car was when Nevin wouldn't park that fucking lady's car that had literal dog shit on the passenger seat. And we got to deny her. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's the one off time that we would say no, we can't park this car is because there was fucking dog shit. But anything else would fly. But yeah, if it was slow, like with the brain damage me guy, that guy, he was from like, dude, it's fucking crazy to think him and like, what was that old bitch with the red jeep? Fuck, I don't, I don't remember. You know who I'm talking about? The yeah, white hair. Yep. Yeah, I got a good story about her too. But like people like that, you see these people come in, you feel bad for them. But when you think about logistically what had to go right for them to make it to the property, it's fucking insane. This guy, he drove a Prius and it had either Oregon or Washington plates on it. I can't remember. He would drive down from Pacific Northwest and stay. And this dude's car was one of the worst. So gross understandably because he is so disabled that he can't walk he can't speak but somehow he fucking drove himself on this road trip to the atlantis and then like i think you're the one where he said that to right yeah i was yeah yeah i don't know i don't remember exactly what happened but like i greeted him or whatever and then he gets out of the car and all he says to me is brain damage me and i like i have no idea what the fuck to what do i do yeah you're just like what <laughs> but I, that's so, all he can say yeah exactly basically like i can't speak because i have a fucking issue with my brain so <laughs> brain, brain damage, damage me. me brain damage me and you're just yeah. like what the fuck and then, yeah like anytime he shows up you're like dude i'll get security because like they need to help him fucking do whatever he's going to do, get him in the wheelchair, get him up to the room, whatever. But people like him and then that old lady, fuck, I can't remember her name, but she would come in all the time, several times a week. And she had a husband for a while. He fucking died. Mm-hmm. They're 90s, you know, super old. And you see this lady fucking turn in to the port off of Virginia Street so slow. <laughs> And you're just like, how did she make it here? I would wonder that all the time. I'm like, dude, it's insane that she made it again. And then she would come and then she was always really nice. But again, it's just a fucking pain in the ass because she had the walker. The the walker, yeah. (laughs) 
and she had the fucking hatch on the back of the 90s Jeep Cherokee that the fucking piston things were blown out. So you had to like hold the lid up and pull the walker and she would be like, I'll hold it for you. And you're like, no, it's fine. I don't want it to fucking drop on my head. And you got to pull her walker out, get her on her way, park the car. And then she comes back later in the day. You got to fucking load the walker back up and all this shit. But one time I was fucking driving the shuttle back from the airport and at the intersection of Virginia and Kitsky right there, like where Kitsmo, uh, mm-hmm. or not Virginia, it would be uh, Moana and Kitsky. That's why Kitsmo Sushi, clever name. <laughs> there you go, good. Um, but right there, so I'm facing west, going back towards the Atlantis on Moana. And, uh, dude, I'm sitting there at the fucking light. Light's red. And you just see out of the corner of my eye, her come in to the intersection, fucking lock it up, lock the brakes up because she had a fucking red and didn't realize it until the last second. And everyone's starting to go. People are like honking and shit. She's in the middle of the intersection, that big ass intersection. And then she fucking reverses it hella slow back into her spot. And then I realized it was her. I was like, Oh my God. That's like exactly what I thought was happening for all these years on the way to and from the casino is actually what's happening. She just like somehow hasn't been T-boned. Barely makes it there. She was in love with Leiden. I remember that. She mm-hmm. loved Leiden. She was like, is mad around. <laughs> I think that's where GSF came from. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Granny's still fucking. That's, That's what right. <laughs> <Lydon> would Lyden <laughs> would write that on the tickets for like the fucking old ass ladies that liked him. <laughs> yeah, he did have a lot there. of old ladies that liked him. That's right. Yeah, yeah. GSFs. Yeah, not around. I was like, oh, <laughs> damn. Um. Yeah, and like nice lady, but it's like, just stop. I don't know. Like, and it, it, she would be a good example. We would keep her car up close if we could. Um. But just because we didn't want to deal with it. it right. Was just like, just get there, you out of here quick. <laughs> there was that other lady that drove the fucking silver minivan. Um, with, this is morbid as fuck, but she drove the silver minivan. I remember she had a Hispanic last name because her husband was Hispanic. He would come in. He was in a fucking wheelchair all the time. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And they would like lower him out and all that. She would drive him, come in all the time. And then they didn't show up for like two months. We're like, what the fuck happened? And then she came in by herself. And the dude, they lived in that fucking, uh, it's not a trailer park, but it's like mobile homes in South Reno where all the streets are like Aries and Rhyolite up there, kind of by your parents' house up on the hill. Mm -hmm. And uh, fucking their shit caught fire. And the dude couldn't make it out because he fucking was disabled. And that's another thing, just morbid as fuck, like to think that that dude just got burned in the, in his mobile home. And those that's just like your average clientele at the Atlantis. Like they try to make it like it's this fucking, like the four-star, Forbes four-star, fucking triple-A rate, all this shit. And it's like, no, nope, that's... uh the people that we're describing here, like those are the regulars there. Yeah, that's that's the actual clientele. Yep. Because yep. then on the opposite side, right, we're talking about the negatives and the fucking piece of shit cars. We did get to drive cool cars, you know, for fucking twenty feet. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because other ones we would keep close. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because they dip. <laughs> so the Lambos come in, the R8s come in, but that's a fucking one-off, right? That's like maybe once a week you get a cool one. Yeah, or like, if that. Yeah, and exactly, if that. And every other fucking car is disgusting, SIGs, mm-hmm. fucking fast food up to your knees um <laughs> breathalyzer in there <laughs> oh that's, yeah breathalyzer. Hey, yeah can you guys do this just do this for me like what nope. the fuck no yeah i guess that was the other time that we got to deny someone but yeah it was just fucking no matter how gross the car was no matter how mean the person was fucking dead body in the port <laughs> fucking park that shit dude can you imagine being like some of those like because some of the a lot of them were families and had kids um, and they were there every fucking weekend. And I remember, I don't remember, the, I don't remember anyone's name anymore. But the kid in the red Mustang, do you remember him? <laughs> <laughs> fuck that kid. Yeah, yeah I remember him. I'm fucking Yarrington. Just imagine him fucking coming every weekend. He would bring his fucking PlayStation, bring a TV, bring all his shit, and he's there every weekend. And I'm just like, dude, imagine this family. Hey guys, what are we like? What are you guys doing this weekend? Your friend asked you that. Oh, we're going to the Atlantis, and we're going to stay there all weekend. Oh, that's cool, mm-hmm. a little staycation or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what are you guys doing this weekend? Oh, we're going to the Atlantis, we're staying there every fucking weekend. And this kid, his parents would bring him, and then he eventually—I mean, he would drive, but he eventually became old enough that like he was just his parents as twenty. At, at twenty, he's like, "Well, my parents mm-hmm. are here every fucking weekend. Uh, they're yep. here to gamble. They're players. I get to be here under their name and use their card. So I'm gonna." fucking go there and stay there because that's what we do and it's just like this fucking anywho the cycle but what i was going was just imagine being a kid like he was a little bit older but like you're 10 and your parents are always fucking taking you to the atlantis to stay there for the weekend Mm -hmm. like what the fuck dude one thing that got drilled into me working there still fuck that kid but (laughs) what i saw and an example that i use all the time is like you would see our regulars come in and the same people that we're talking about. And then you would see like locals come in Wednesday night because it's a fucking special at the buffet. And it would be like a young kid and baby mama and a, and a fucking infant in a piece of shit Corolla fucking piece of shit car. These kids are like, you know, they're, they're kids. They're 17, 18, 19 years old and just fucking had a kid. And they're coming in for the fucking buffet special. No tip, you know, whatever. They're just coming to get a deal. And then when we were absolutely fucked on volleyball weekend, those two weekends in the spring when they have the huge tournament over there, you see those families come in and they're on a – the girls, you know, they have two, three girls – you know, 16 year olds or whatever traveling volleyball team, which apparently is expensive. I don't know anything about it, but, um, and you see fucking, you know, mom's got, you know, they're just like typical fucking rich California families. Like mom's got the nice bag and they're driving a brand new Escalade. And, you know, it's such a contrast, but the denominator, like the uncommon denominator was that the parents were older like it was not uncommon to see like a fit you know 50 55 year old dad 
slightly younger mom, both in shape with the 16 year old girls crushing financially. And I was like, Oh, career first worry about the other shit later. Like that's what drilled it into me seeing that shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you got to care about yourself first and take care of yourself before you can. Yeah. You just put, it just makes it hard. Like there's plenty of people that had a kid young and still fucking crushed it. But like, you know, if if you can help it, it definitely makes it easier if you don't have that. Set yourself up for success as best you can. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's a good point. Like those guys would come in and yeah, just complete fucking opposites. Like Mm -hmm. they were there because they had a a reason to be there, not because they wanted to gamble or like just so insane. Yeah. Same. You see the people coming in on the weekends to go to the steakhouse for dinner, like pulling up in a fucking Bentley, but we've never seen them before and they're local. It's like, okay. Versus, you know, our regulars that come in every fucking weeknight fucking, what was their name? Uh, (laughs) they had that fucked up truck. And then they got a new truck, the F-150. Oh, fuck. Shoot. Yeah, shoot. That's right. Like, they were super nice. Like, we liked them. They always, like, tipped us, you know, five bucks on the way out. Huge smokers. Huge smokers. Every fucking day they're there. And, yeah, just smoking cigs. They're to gamble. That's, like, what they did. And, again, huge contrast. It's like, yeah, this is uh, not not an example of that you want to follow for your own life. Yeah. It's just uh fuck dude. I'm sure, you know, what would be crazy is if we sat down with two other guys from a valet at the pepper mill or the GSR and they would, fu- I like guarantee they could all relate to the exact same shit we're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, that's so true. Or I know shoot. Yeah. They're there every Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. like, it's the fucking bounce yeah. around. Yeah. The, uh, Kyle that works for us, he used to do valet at uh GSR. But I don't think he did it for very long, maybe like a few months. We'd have to have some guys that were there for years because that's when you like learn all the guests and all that shit. Uh, do you think it's different in Vegas? Like if you work valet in Vegas, do you think it's the same or do you think it's different? Uh, that's a good I, – I bet down there it depends on the casino. I'm sure they still have regulars, of course, but like it's so tourist-based and it's so busy in Vegas all the time. Like every time we go down there for an event, dude, it's fucking Tuesday – random week like nothing going on and the casinos are packed like there's so many conventions going on all the time that i'm sure it's just it's just a way different environment but i mean there's got to be because they have free valet at a lot of those places so i'm sure it's still the same fucking casino dirtbags yeah the locals are still going there on a fucking tuesday to spend their check yeah uh, i don't uh, sorry i can't tip you i just i, I paid your paycheck in there <laughs> yeah, I just I paid you. I paid your next paycheck. Like fuck like, you, dude. Uh, no, actually, you didn't. So, yeah, yeah, you know, you didn't. I make minimum fucking wage, and uh, I'll, I'll no, get you next didn't. time. Get you I'll next get you on the way out. Be like, no, I'm actually not gonna be here. So, yeah, that's right. That's a yep. common. That's a common. Uh, a common thing that people, even like good people, that valet they don't realize is that you need to tip both ways. Mm-hmm. if you care about tipping right if you're not going to tip whatever you're not going to tip but like if you care about tipping the valet you got to tip both ways because chances are we're not going to be there because you got there at 7 and you left 7 a.m and you left at 5 p.m or it's not the same person getting your car so we're still helping you from the beginning the beginning not the end 
because most people think just a tip at the end, right? Like, oh, you got my car, but you don't think about the person who drove your car first or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, yep. That's true. Yeah. And you, you always remember, like, I'll never fucking forget Joey Gilbert stiffing me at the valet. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. Like, that will just, even if I form a relationship with him later, yeah, I will have to bring that up at some point. I'll be like, dude, remember in like roughly 2016 when you drove that white GL 43 AMG brand new $150,000 SUV? Remember when you had that? Be like, yeah. Be like, yeah. Dude, just every time you came to the valet, you would tell us to keep it close and you wouldn't tip on the way in. You, you dangle that little carrot in front of us. And then I remember the one, the one time specifically he like came running out after he was promising that like, he's going to tip us and keep it close and all this shit. And we're like, all right, you know, it's Joey Gilbert, of course. And then he comes running out and he's like, I gotta go. Like my keys are right there. Well, and then like you rip it and he just literally runs to his car. No tip. You're just like, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Hey, you know who's another uh, that brought up another memory is Don Weir. He's Don Weir, one. yeah. Who was his partner? The ah fuck, Mo Mo wasn't his name Mo. Yeah, he was the GM for the Dodge G- Okay, that's he, yep. so Mo. I remember Mo being cool. Yeah, Mo would tip like he would always come in rolls or something, mm-hmm. sick and tip up and stay up front. But I remember Don Weir. I think I dealt with him two or three times. Stiff me every time. Yeah, he'd like, he'd roll up in the Hellcat, fucking yep. stiff. Yeah, Mo was cool though. Yeah, he'd pull up in the fucking Ghost. You remember he had yeah, that white right, Rolls Royce Ghost. Ghost. Yeah, yeah, he would he would always tip. He was sick. Um, all right, let's wrap this up with one last story that you have about. Um, I know the story, but you're gonna tell the listeners the story about because you said Hellcat and it brought up to my, um, my memory. Do you remember the? Do you know the story I'm talking about with the Hellcat? Hmm. I don't think so. I think I think it was a Hellcat, um, and I think the guy was like a police officer. Yeah, he was a police officer. Yeah, you know, yeah. Right now? yeah, yeah. Like, so you valet the Hellcat, or like he he pulls up and says, "Hey, like you know, I want you know, I want, want valet," and then I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, I think uh, if I remember right, I think he was leaving, not coming. Well, you okay? Well, you definitely parked it because you knew it was in fucking lag mode or whatever the fuck it would be called. Like it was like slow. Like, yeah, it was, yeah, it has valet mode. Or okay, like that's what cars. it was. Valet yeah. mode. Yeah. So you parked it, and then he did come back, and he said something like a comment along the lines of like, you know, how was it? And you just fucking hit him with the something like. Oh, it was fine, but you left the car in valet mode or something like that, like implying yeah. like, I wanted to fucking take it for a fucking little spin. Yeah, and that's right when Hellcats came out. They're like brand new, so it was like the shit. It was before they turned into the new age Honda Civic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was the Charger, not the Challenger. He had the four-door. And then, yeah, yeah, now that you say that, I remember that. And then um, he was like, well, you want to go for a ride? I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, get in. I'm like, yeah. okay, cool. So then, yeah, he fucking, he took me 
and we went like out down Moana onto the freeway and then got off on South Virginia and back to the Atlantis. He just like took me for the, a joy ride and fucking let her rip. And I was like asking him what he does. And he's a fucking cop. He's like a highway patrol or something. So like we weren't going to get in trouble and he just fucking, fucking let her go like up the on-ramp was we were just flying on the freeway and then right back to the atlantis yeah i I, was was sick you said hellcat and i just remember that story and i thought it was yeah then you came back and told that story and i thought it was fucking sick and he he was he was he was like yeah don't worry i'm a highway patrol so we're not gonna get pulled over (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah fucking sick dude it's badass yeah that was cool it's like that's not a common thing right like Nobody's taking you for rides in their fucking Lambo or their Nah, already... hell no. No, they that... fucking usually don't even want you to touch the thing. Yeah. Some like... of them, like that dude, Sean Lynch, he was hella cool. He had all those cars. He's young. Mm-hmm. Coming with a new car all the time. You'd always show up in fucking basketball shorts with this hot-ass bitch. Yeah. And just, like, hop out the R8. And you're like, damn, this dude's sick. He didn't give a fuck. Like, yeah. he would always tip us 20. Didn't care if we parked it. Like, whatever. I'm like... This is the dude you want to be like. Yeah, Sean, he's uh, – I think he owns like Granite Supply or Granite Construction or some shit like Mm -hmm. that. But, yeah. Colton says he lets me use his pool. That's sick. Well, there you go. He's got a pool Um, too. Then David – do you remember David Weiss? He he was Mm -hmm. sometimes. He was the – is he a skier Olympic medalist? Yep. Yeah, he'd show up in R8. Yep. Yep. And then I guess this is a good closing too because it's real estate – what is that guy's name? Real estate guy. I think you know him definitely. Do you know what I'm talking about? Glasses. Um, kind of a skinny guy. He would always valet too. And he's like really popular or really successful in some sort yeah. of business. And I think real estate. I haven't brought this up to him yet. But again, same thing as Joey Gilbert. Because like I've talked to him before, but I've never had like a sit down with him. And my buddy like works directly underneath him and shit. And I know he's a much different person today than he was back then. But I know exactly who you're talking about. And yes, um, he's a loan officer. That's right. Kills it. He's even, he spoke at one of the events we went to. Yeah. I think that's uh, how I I saw that because he's mm -hmm. got like 100K followers or something big. Crushes. Yeah. And he seems like a super good guy now. And, um, but I know like just listening to him speak and seeing his content and stuff, like his life has crazy changed in the last, like even three years. And we're talking about what, six years ago or something, Mm -hmm. but he was a fucking black diamond. We would never be able to park his car. I couldn't even tell you what kind of car he had because we never drove it, but he would always park wherever the fuck he wanted not even in a black diamond spot. And the the reason why we need the keys is for like the fire code, because if anything happens, we have to be able to clear the entire port and the outside lane. It's a fire lane and we have to have all the keys to those cars so we can get them out of there in the case of emergency. And I will never fucking forget him parking there, walking in and be like, Hey, you know, we, we need to hang on to your keys he doesn't even stop walking, doesn't even look at you, and he fucking throws the keys up in the air for you to catch him and then keeps walking into the casino. And you're just like, fuck you. He probably, yeah. if I told him that, he'd feel like such a douchebag because I think he was making like a couple hundred thousand a year back then, and now he makes like 
four or five million a year and he's probably like fuck i was such a fucking dick do you think he was was he doing the same thing he does now he would just gamble as like a hobby or like a thing or did he yeah that's a good question because obviously he never puts that shit online (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he did put something like that online and was like i used to have a problem or something i'll be like that makes sense or i Um, wonder if he still does fuck maybe he's still maybe He yeah, might. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough to say, but um, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah! I, I was just. I think I saw that you went to the mastermind or something, and then he was speaking. I was like, "Holy fuck! I know that guy. He's always coming <laughs> you to see him on stage." <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> what the I fuck? Know. How does that happen? I know. I've told Wes about that too. I was like, "Dude, I really want to like him, and I do like him, but I just can't forget that when he threw his fucking keys at me." Yep. Exactly. All right, dude. That's uh, that's all I have. Fuck, that was awesome. That's a wrap. Two, yeah, wrap it up. Two and a half hours. Um, what uh, what's next for Alex? Not Reno area home buyers, but just like I don't know. What's a what's a close goal or a a current thing? Like not ten years now, six months. What uh, what do you want to do? I don't know anything. Um, do you have some? Do you have a roadmap for six months where you want to be? You want to make another fucking hundred grand? I don't know, whatever it is, something like that. Yeah, I mean, if we're not talking business at all, because that's like that's the shit that's always like mapped out. Mm-hmm. Um, the other stuff I have to be way more intentional for. But oh, fuck, I have one more. I have last one more question yeah. after this. I'll let you go. I, I just okay. it, but one more um, after this. Yeah, I mean, just little things like I I want to get I'm going to get a new setup here quick for like Moto. I'm going to buy fucking Conways 450 next week. My shit's all fucking mangled from last weekend when I did a front flip. But um so I'll get a new bike and then I'm trying to get a new van too. I want to get that set up, get a bigger van, something that I can stand up in. Um so I've been trying to get that going. And then, yeah, that's kind of the only like material thing I have right now until okay. I can get like a a different car. I want to get a fucking Wraith, but that's a little bit down the road. That's sick though. Um, so not, not material. That's actually perfect for the question I had. I fucking skipped over it was fitness and CrossFit and stuff, right? So it used to be really competitive in it or like you know, you would take it seriously or like you do competitions and you're fucking good and you still are. But like, was tinnitus the change? Uh, uh, first of all, I wouldn't, I would say that I feel like I noticed that you're not as competitive or you don't care as much about it. You just kind of like, you show up, you do the wad, your score is your score, however, whatever it is, who gives a fuck you scale if you need to or want to. Um, but you're still fit when you try or care. So number one is, do you not care about it as much anymore? And then two, if that is the case, was tinnitus like the change in your caring because, I don't know, it just put you in a different headspace? Yeah, I don't think that that, the tinnitus thing really had anything to do with it. Um, And the reason I asked if it was that is because it seemed like it was around the same time frame. That's all. Yeah. Um, No, I think that, I mean, lately I've been all fucked up and that's a big reason. So like my just had like this fucking nagging back thing um, where I just keep re-injuring it. And then that's where you'll see me fucking heavily scale all of a sudden. Cause I like 
can't <laughs> fucking lift anything. Uh, so I'm just like, fuck, what can I even do? And now I'm all fucked up again from that crash. And I hurt my back in the same spot again from the crash. So I don't know how long it's going to be till I can even lift again. Um, so that's been part of it. And then, um, yeah, I don't know really like, I definitely have not been to like the dark place of competition suffering in a long time, even for like the open workouts. Like I just can't get there for some reason, um, like mentally. And yeah, I think that some of the shit, like it would just take so much fucking effort for me to actually get good at like snatching where I just, my shoulders all fucked up and I don't have the mobility for it. So like to get that mobility, I just don't want, or I just don't have the desire to like put in that much effort to get that just so I can try to snatch. And then the snatch is really like the big thing. It's like, you really can't be competitive if you can't do the fucking most simple movement. You know, if like that disqualifies me from so many different workouts where, cause I can't snatch 185. So mm-hmm. it's like, <clears throat> yeah, it just, I just don't want to get hurt a lot. And, um, but I do, I, I super enjoy it still because it's not like I, I don't care, but I use it for an alarm clock more than anything because I just will not get out of bed on my own accord. Like even, you know, I, I put my phone in the bathroom. I fucking, I got my shit dialed, but I have to have the gym and I show up at five thirty one every day. Seems late, but I got my shit dialed. I fucking change shoes, go grab my coffee. As soon as I walk up, they're getting on the machines. It's not late, but it is funny. <laughs> and I want to get the five thirty one patch for my vest. The, the clock yeah. will be sick, but no, I, I, I really use it for that more than anything. Cause it forces me to get out of bed and I want to go to the earliest class possible. And then, um, you know, start my day, get the workout done. And my day goes so many different ways that if I didn't do it first thing, I wouldn't go more than fucking twice a week yeah. because very often I end up at six thirty PM and I'm like, Oh fuck, I forgot to eat lunch or like, you know, uh, there's been times where like I'll bitch out in the morning and be like, oh, I'll just go later. And then it's like 11 goes by, 12 goes by. I'm like, well, now I'm into the afternoon classes. I'm like, all right, I'll hit five. And it's like 4.55 and I'm still at the office. I'm like, well, I'm not going to make five. Now I got to wait and go to six. And then the same thing happens. At 5.45, the phone's ringing and I got to take the call and it's important. And then I'm on the phone and I'm just watching the clock. It's like, 555 like i could still make it if i get off the phone now and i can't hang up and then it's like 601 i'm like no it's fucked can't go so i gotta knock it out early just part of your routine at this point yeah yeah and it's good because it i i I do like that is one thing that i have the goal for like i want to be heavier and more muscular but again like i definitely could do it but I just have to fucking put in so much more effort. Like I want to do CrossFit because that's 
what I enjoy. I like that way more than going to the gym. I like the alarm clock aspect. I like the class. I like community. I like not having to think about it. The That's what I'm all about right now is fucking how can I think less about things? So like I got the fucking house cleaner that does the laundry for me every Friday. Like I come home today to do this. My shit's mm-hmm. fucking clean. My laundry's folded and hung up. I don't have to think about it. I got the meal prep. Don't have to think about it. So I'm like always trying to simplify and CrossFit is exactly that. I don't have to think about it. all I have to do is get there. I never look at the workout like the day before. I'd never know what we're doing. I don't fucking care. I just show up and do what's on the board. Yeah. It's awesome. So yeah. yeah, I like that aspect of it. I still like it a lot. Um, but like to really get as big as I want, like I'd have to fucking get on that liver King stack and then also train like a motherfucker, which is like, fuck, I would love to train twice a day actually, but I just don't fucking have the time or I'm not willing to make the time to do it. Yeah. I know you, you hate that saying you don't have the time. Mm-hmm. That's why you changed that. Yep. Cause yeah, everyone does. Like there's plenty of people that work out twice a day that are fucking way busier in business than I am or like seemingly doing more shit and they fucking do it. But that's because it's a higher priority for yeah, them than it when, is for me. When someone says they don't have time, it just means it's not a priority or you don't desire to, but right. I, I, I'm like you. I hate when people say, well, especially with the gym, I don't have time to go to the gym. Like what the fuck? Okay. Yeah. It, it yeah. Just means you don't care about it. Especially at like, you know, when we're talking about just like general fitness, like you can get, you can get it in, in 30 minutes. No doubt. Like go do a hundred burpees for time. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're fucking seven minutes in 10 if you suck and that shit will fuck you up yep. in 10 minutes. So like, yeah, there's no excuse for like, I don't have time to even go. Like if, if that's your excuse that you're too fucking busy, it's like, okay. Like, yeah, it just means you don't give a shit about it. Right. Not a priority. All right, dude. Thanks for thanks for hopping on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's yeah, fun. Long, of course, dude. I knew it uh, knew it'd be a banger episode um, two and a half hours later. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it. Episode 10 of Code Unlocked. At Yo, It's Fiki on Instagram. At Bad Touch Supply. Buy, buy Bad Touch Gloves. At Go to Bed Podcast, listen to Alex and JP's podcast. It's fucking hilarious. I promise you, it'll be more funny than this show. Um, and yeah, that's it. Thanks, dude. Have a good rest of your night, listeners. Appreciate appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Peace.